I'll tell some big lies Fall under your category Get with Aaron and Joe's Cause you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Just get with Aaron and Joe's Hey, you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Alright friends, welcome back to another episode Of Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe's on this episode, we are brought here by our good friends at Townsend Spice and Supply. Man, Joe, this, what's good with those guys? Well, I'll tell you what's good with those guys. It's right now. We're stepping into crawfish season like nobody's business. Ooh. And it just dogs. so happens they're the manufacturer and lead distributor of a product, just as seen up on that thing up there, of the Joe Wilson Tell and Tater finisher which uh, has won some trophies at crawfish bowls across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, never had the opportunity to compete in one in Louisiana. Don't even think we could win it. But I'd leave that place. There'd be a hell of a lot of people missing an eye. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, So you could call right now. You could call uh, uh, Townsend Spice and Supply, and you could order either the hot or the regular tail and tater. They also have all of your boiling supplies, from your burners to your crawfish pots. Everything but the crawfish. Everything but the crawfish. And if you if you ask Shane, he'd probably go down the creek and catch you some to put inside that I, pot. I don't, that's just, I don't doubt that. That's what kind of businessman he is. They got some kick-ass uh, crawfish boil-themed T-shirts right now on their Townsend Ooh. shirts that are, that are pretty sexy. The girls like them. So who is our guest this week? Aaron. Rich Cromwell. What do we know about this guy? He kind of looks different than most of our uh, average <laughs> guests that we he have. He looks on. like an electrician. Actually, I'm getting a Buddy Holly vibe. He's, well, he's got the old tortoise shells on. Yeah. He's got that little bit of, a, I mean, just a Buddy Holly style hair, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think we could dress him up, go to Branson. Probably. I'm a little out of practice on the guitar, but I, I could you? probably pull it off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is your favorite Buddy Holly song? Oh, man, Not Fade Away. Oh. Hey, Dang, let me tell you what we could do with this Get guy. Out the gate. <laughs> I'm pretty confident, and, and Martinez is that kind of guy. And so there, there might be, and Bill's that kind of guy, too. And hell, Aaron is. I'm the. I'm gonna be the ignorant one here. That's part of my humbleness. Is Rich is well versed in movies, uh, pop culture from wh- how far back? Man, the '80s. I mean, I, I've got some some '60s and '70s because I was an '80s kid. So we're still listening to you know Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and whatnot mm. in the '80s, but. Uh, you start really getting back into the the mid to early sixties, fifties. Uh, my knowledge. Drops okay, off. but when we talk pop culture, movies, TV, and stuff, eighties, nineties, you're pretty hardcore on this. I'm yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty good. <laughs> so, nice, I love it. That's right where I, that's the music I grew up with. And so Long Duck Dong, what was he? Sixteen Candles, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Because I tried calling one of those Japanese guys in Texas, Long Duck Dong. He didn't understand it. So <laughs> I, he must have been probably didn't air over there. <laughs> he, yeah. Was I he driving it, an automobile? <laughs> <laughs> I thought Did it he was. Say, What's that happening? That stuff? <laughs> was Long Duck Dong also in that movie where the guys had the bras on their head? Uh, Weird Science. Weird Science? No, and, uh, I don't think. Long what was the Asian guy in that? I don't remember. An Asian he was guy. up in the bunk bed, wasn't he? Uh, wasn't no, that was, that was 
Was there no yeah, Asian 16. guy in Weird Science? No, no. It was just what was his name? What was the uh, what was the brother who was a dick? What was his name? Biff? Chet. 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 Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. Biff. And they turned yeah, him into Chet. a ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I, you never watched? What was nope. the gal's name? She's hot. Molly Ringwald. But no, I don't know what no, her name. no, 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 no. It was, no. Uh, Damn, now I'm going to draw a blank. In uh, Kelly, no, it, weird science. Kelly LeBrock? Yes, yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. Kelly LeBrock, she was married to that name, Armbreaker. What's his name? Lived Seagal. Down the road. Steven Seagal. Yeah, Steven Seagal. Right? Yeah. Hey, Steven Seagal used to live right next door to A.J. Down the, road, down the street from A.J. Next door. Yeah, the next house. Yeah, the next house over. And you know what? Bless his heart, A.J.'s passed away on this. But A.J. said that Steven Seagal was a weird son of a bitch. Didn't even mow his own lawn. You can't tell. <laughs> well, shit, he could probably afford it. <laughs> he was kind of had a paunch, big old puss gut on him. Yeah, he kind of got. He kinda I, let, I mean, he didn't think there's care, good care of himself as hey, I do. I mean, he careful what you go. said. He's All probably right. listener number 10. Hey, come bring over that here. son of a bitch on. So, <laughs> right now, if we took Van Damme and Seagal at their current state, who you got? Because that used to be a big deal back in the day. I would, Who's I winning? would say Steven Seagal. He's got the size. Because that, yeah. you know, Van Damme's got that big tumor that's going to burst any day on his forehead. Does he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that one. <laughs> He's got a big old knot on his head right there. You ever seen him? Uh-uh. Van Damme, Google him up. He's in that chair with his legs spread out and got a big old pop knot. He probably got in a fight that morning when he well, took I'm that sure picture. he did, but he's had it for 20 Shit years. probably went away. <laughs> it's probably just gristle now. But. <laughs> Rich, uh, Aaron's going to, Aaron's our questionnaire guy he's pretty good at it and we don't put him on these rabbit holes searching for a egg on yeah van damme's head that's gonna be hard who's rich cromwell let's just go into that uh, uh so i'm a native arkansan uh from pine bluff arkansas y- y'all familiar with pine bluff pb baby oh, yeah. In the by the penitentiary right yeah <laughs> two of them <laughs> that's uh, where that guy took his date when she said Kiss me where it stinks. <laughs> she took him, he took her to Pine Bluff. Yeah, so y'all said so there were paper mills. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that yeah. smell of that paper mulch, it was terrible. So I grew up in Pine Bluff. Uh, I would not recommend visiting now, but it was an all right. I mean, it was different. You know, when I moved to, to Fayetteville in 94 to uh, at my first attempt at college, I met some guys from uh, Fort Smith and from Fayetteville, and we were talking about something, and it came up that my dad had told me what to do if someone attempted to carjack me. And they're like, no, 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 wait. It was like, your dad didn't tell you what to do if somebody tried to carjack you? Like, what's going on here? What kind of upbringing are you getting here? Yeah, right. You don't know this? <laughs> they didn't, they didn't hurt, they no, hurt that. No. Huh. And if anyone's curious, my dad's uh, technique, because in Pine Bluff, they would box you in. And I had an old uh, 1989 Ford Bronco too, So just a oh, hunk of steel. The little, the, little, the little one with the wraparound windows on the top. Right? Yeah. And uh, he said, just hit the accelerator and start ramming until you get away. I can buy a new car. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So was the crime bad back when you lived there? It was, but it wasn't the level it is now. Because right. Pine Bluff, traditionally, for our listeners in Australia and Germany and Dubai, Pine Bluff typically runs somewhere in the lower half of the top 15 most dangerous cities in america and i think has been in the top five multiple times yeah it, it's been named the worst place to live in america <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you were born what year 
75. 75. So Golden years. Uh, left in 94, went back and spent the summer in 95 there with my parents, and then uh, hadn't hadn't lived there since. So, so are they still there, your parents? My parents are in Whitehall. It's outside oh, of Pine yeah. Bluff. So. Hey, you know what? This show is sponsored by Joey Coleman's Whitehall Fresh Meat Market down there. That's yeah. who our sponsor is going to be. Cool. You ever, have you been in there? Man, I hadn't. So in, in Whitehall, Joey Coleman owns a, a market called uh, Joey Coleman's Fresh Market. Hands down, if you're looking for a ribeye in the state of Arkansas, let me back that up. If you're looking for a ribeye in the south, whoa, I'm going to go to Whitehall of all places. I'm going to walk into Joey Coleman's. I'm going to say, Joe Wilson told me you had the best damn ribeyes in the country. I'm going to drive around Pine Bluff getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hit Whitehall before you got to Pine yeah, Bluff. Yeah, coming from this direction, you wouldn't <laughs> have to. Okay. And I'd go in there, and I bet you Joey Coleman will cut you a great steak hmm. if you say Joe Wilson sent you. And while you're there, go ahead and pick up some of that Joe Wilson seasoning. He's got, there there you go. He's got it for sale. All leads back to that. <laughs> so you humble mother <laughs> so at some point at 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 some point you moved out and you it was just to come to college yeah when it came up here uh to go to college uh was not the most uh studious student i enjoyed uh college life a lot more than i enjoyed uh, mm. uh studying come uh, for two reasons neither one of them was education right was and, the bobby hopper tunnel built yet Oh, no. No, no. Oh, so you were still driving down the crook and steep. Yeah, I was driving the pig trail. How many people had died on them crooked and, street, and steep roads at that time? The cars wouldn't go fast enough back then. <laughs> no. No, come on. When me and Martinez used to drive that pig trail, there was those signs. Bill, you remember them? They would say like 135 people have died. I don't remember that. Golly. You remember those signs? I don't remember the death signs on the they pig were, trail. There was death. I think you were driving too fast and you were driving. <laughs> <laughs> My God, did we die? (laughs) (laughs) I was here before there was any. If you came to Rogers or Bentonville from Fayetteville, you were just taking 71. Oh, you bet. Before the bypass. That was was like 89, I think. 89, I think, was the bypass when that opened up. Well, it never even finished until 97. You might be right. Maybe it was 90s. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, moved to Nashville for a while, went to college there, actually graduated. I got a degree in music business, My which God. I have never used. From oh, Vanderbilt nice. or what? Uh, Belmont. Belmont. University. So I was uh, studying music business uh, during the transition to the digital phase. So we're in there on two-inch tape, learning all this traditional <laughs> means of recording. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The studios were very hesitant to embrace digital and sure. the coming digital revolution. So go to class every day. Well, Sony laid off this many people today. Arista laid off this many people. And it's just mm. this bloodbath. And it was a music business degree. So I focused, ended up focusing on the business part. I still studied my audio engineering and everything. Mm-hmm. Graduated. My uh, wife and I, uh, who's how Joe and I met, she's yeah. working downtown Bentonville. And uh, that's how I met Joe. But uh, we were both in the restaurant industry and she'd gone to Vanderbilt for her master's. But the restaurant industry, you can kind of get trapped in. You're like, well, I need a, I need a regular job. Well, do you want to be a manager? Well, I've got it. You can manage this other spot. And it's like, no, I don't want to work on New Year's Eve anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, this region that we knew about, that the world didn't really know about yet, Northwest Arkansas was starting to boom. Everything wasn't so insane pricing wise and whatnot. Had family here, so let's pack up, and move back to Northwest Arkansas. So, did you ever play in the music industry at all? Nope. No kidding. I ended up working for KNWA. I sold my uh, experience uh, or my degree on uh, letting them uh, 
uh, convincing them to let me be a photog. So videographer going out yep. shooting video for them. So I ended up right back in the same situation where late nights and holidays and whatnot and I was working. And then uh, I've gone on to a variety of careers from there. Uh, probably the more interesting thing to your listeners is I write. So uh, you can go to the federalist.com or spectatorworld.com and find articles that I've written. A lot more on the Federalist. I've been with them since pretty much they started in 2013. Uh, Spectator World, I started writing for them uh, early 2022. So one of your recent articles, I got the, uh, the the preview of a movie playing right now on, on the TV. Um, one of Rich's latest articles that you can Google up and find is on this, I saw that, yeah. this new movie called The Cocaine Bear. And I actually heard on your they, podcast. They tell a true story, right? Very, very loosely. loosely. Very right. loosely. Right. Very loosely. Um, as you're watching on the YouTube right here, which I just noticed you can rent this movie right now on YouTube, the whole movie. And mm. it's still at the theater, right? It just come out. Yeah. And it's done pretty well. All yeah. things considered. Right. I think it beat. What was the movie it beat in opening weekend? Damn sure it didn't beat Top Gun. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. But there was something else that came out at the same time that was supposed to appeal, and Cocaine, Cocaine Bear, Bear got the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> so they, they made the money. Yeah, did you guys see the deal of the, the what was it, the awards I had the other night? No, I don't watch nah. that shit. I don't Oscars. watch Oscars. The Oscars. I, you're going to lose me on the Oscars. Yeah. I, I didn't okay, watch Okay, so I every, it, and I don't, I don't, I've never watched one, but every year, the movie that wins the whole deal something is never nothing. Yeah, something I've never freaking heard. What is it? Everything? Everything, everywhere, all at once. All at once. Which I haven't seen. I've heard mixed reviews. Some people are like, oh, you got to check it out. It's great. Other people are like, no. Yeah. But, so did you hear that they didn't even have a red carpet this year? Do you know this? Either. No. So they, for some, believe it or not, that kind of stuff is political. That's right. And, uh. For some reason, they had champagne-colored mm. carpet. Carpet. It wasn't yeah. the red carpet. It was champagne. Red is offensive. Red too. Is that red about is Trump? Offensive. Is that what this is? Ah, could be. Ooh. Ooh. I never thought make, about that. But make America great. The hat, mm -hmm. the signature hat, is red. So they got away from the red carpet. And I don't know. Supposedly, like maybe back in the seventies or something, they at one time they used a green carpet, and. uh I, I read this whole thing. It took seventies. It would have been shag carpet. <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> Maybe that's why they went with no carpet this time. So, <laughs> linoleum. <laughs> at, you know what they say about linoleum? What's that? Just like women, huh? Lay it right the first time. You can walk on them for years. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, at at some point they had green, and. You know, anytime a dignitary is walking down something, it's a red carpet. And so this time they changed it to champagne. Champagne. And mm, neutral. I'm just like you guys. I could give. I've never watched one. I don't care what the carpet looks like. I don't. Yeah. I've never watched it. As long as it matches the curtains, right? So. <laughs> don't even have to match. <laughs> so he wrote a article about this cocaine bear. And I, I read your article and I listened to it on the podcast. And you stated that this was like an 80s style movie. Exactly. So the whole point you were getting into with the red carpet, where they possibly removed it because it was a political statement, that stuff permeates a lot of pop culture now, where everybody has to make their point. Cocaine Bear had no points to make. 
It was not a conservative movie. It's not a liberal movie. Mm-hmm. It was not a moderate movie. It was just a movie that was made to entertain people. Mm-hmm. It was. And so the like dust till dawn. So, so yes, that's good. But, that's mean, good. That's right, good. So right. to me, the, the real throwback to the 80s was the ridiculousness of it. So yeah, it was based on a true story. There really was this smuggler who his plane, his autopilot was going out or something. He tries to eject. He I up, think you've heard the wrong story. Uh, I, I really do. I've listened and I've read your response. And I found what I think is the real story on this. Yours is a lot more, well, the movie. So No, so the true story is, is there was a pilot who was a, a vet, and he had been kicked out of the military for some shadiness. He had On a, his part? Or on the, his okay. part. He had a little side gig carrying narcotics mm-hmm. in these planes. Well, he needed a co-pilot, so he... Finds him a co-pilot. They're flying. He hears some chatter over the radio, and it calls out his tail number, and he knows that this plane is close enough in proximity to where he can hear him over the radio. Right. So he, they're on him. So he tells, and, and the co-pilot ha- is numb to this whole deal. Doesn't know that there's any dope on this deal. He's just doing a gig, right? So the pilot says, come back here with me. He puts it on autopilot, comes back, says, you need to put on a parachute. They start packaging parachutes on all of this these blocks of cocaine. So this dude, the co-pilot's freaking out. He knows nothing of the sort. So finally it gets down to where the pilot, the pilot puts on his parachute and says, you better jump out of this plane. <laughs> and co-pilot jumps out. He survives. Pilot jumps out. There's a an elderly man in the kitchen. And you know this part? Yeah, yeah. And so the elderly man, he's got Alzheimer's. He's following the same routine every day. The doctor says, You get if you do the same routine, you probably won't lose your mind as quick. So he brushes his teeth, shaves his face, goes to his coffee like normal, looks out the window. There's a dead dude laying on top of a parachute. Just shuts the door. And then the the bear hunting portion, like Rich says, this guy was deer hunting, seen this bear, tried to circle around to get a better shot at the bear, and the bear was dead at one of the blocks of cocaine. Yeah. Because it took a big old bite and blew mm-hmm. its heart out. But sorry, Rich, that's, that's just the part that I knew. No, no, that was... Uh, I, I, I didn't... Uh, get into as much the uh, particulars of the trafficking mission. <laughs> but I did know, because when you read, you know, based on a true story, it's, right. it's like, well, what happened? You know, so this bear, and, and like Joe said, the bear got into it, ate some cocaine, ate the entire block of cocaine, and died. So there there was no rampage or anything like that. That, that really opens it up for a good story, though. Exactly. And so that's what I loved about it is the these uh, screen this screenwriter took this idea and said, "What if instead of the bear dying, it goes on a rampage?" You mm-hmm. run amok. And mm-hmm. we think about the craziness. Like most people on cocaine. Probably. You think about the craziness probably. that we uh, encountered in movies in the eighties, just the ridiculous premises, or even the comedies like uh, Animal House, where oh, they've yeah. got the donkey that's there at the, at the end, and the donkey's right. doing all the drugs off the table and whatnot. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's not designed to teach you a lesson, to make you feel any way. 
It was just designed to entertain you for about an hour and a half. Now, you took your daughter to this. I did take my 15-year-old. Uh, my dad had a very liberal policy towards entertainment when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and I've kind of followed the same with my kids, depending on their level. I got three, and the oldest is a uh, very mature, and we're not a no-internet household or anything like that. She's going to figure this shit out if she wants to. Right. So if it's something, I'd rather watch it with her. So. Mm, right. so so like I watched Pulp Fiction with her a year or two ago. My wife's like, "You're watching this." Like she's gonna watch it anyway. I'd rather be there to. Uh, it'll be uncomfortable as a dad in a <laughs> yeah, couple right. moments. Yeah, but right. I'd rather be able to explain some of this stuff or mm-hmm. answer some questions rather than have her sneaking around. Did she ever order a Royale with cheese after she watched that? She did not. Oh, no Royale with cheese, and she has not. Uh, <laughs> Gone uh, searching for bears or cocaine, uh, so far as <laughs> I know. you know of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, it's, do you think this has started something? Well, I mean, with the success of it, maybe the movie industry will kind of pick up on what's going on? I do think that the movie industry is picking is uh, catching on. So you've got Top Gun Maverick, which Phenomenal. was another just triumph. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i kind of an apostate here at LAP. I, uh, I prefer... Maverick to the original Top Gun, despite the warm feelings of being an 80s kid. Right. I just thought Maverick just kicked ass from start to finish, whereas the original Top Gun had a little bit more romance in it to Mm -hmm. appeal to the ladies. And there was that in Maverick, but it wasn't as much. So just a lot of like crazy flying. You know, in real life, Tom Cruise would have died in the opening sequence. In real life, Tom Cruise would have looked his age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something that's pretty ageless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. And how old is this guy? Scientology, baby. Yeah. How? Uh, he's in his 50s? I think he's 60. Ah, hell, he's older now. Um, I'm in my 50s. Go ahead. Send some guests out. But uh, with Top Gun, with Cocaine Bear, and then a colleague of mine at the Federalist did watch the Oscars and wrote about it. And she posits that Hollywood is realizing they're leaving money on the table. By Ooh. constantly trying to preach to people. Mm-hmm. And if they just make movies that entertain, then they will. And, you know, as much as people want to talk about, you know, my ideology or what I believe, when it comes down to it, if you're in the entertainment business, you want to sell as many tickets, yeah. as many Blu-rays, right. as many digital copies as you can. And if the market's not rewarding you, then eventually you're going to have to wise up. There's mm-hmm. only so many wealthy benefactors who are going to bankroll you to make stuff that people don't want to see. So right? short of a cartoon and Top Gun, these movie theaters, they're not selling out. No. I wouldn't think so. I mean, the do they even make cartoons for kids anymore? Or they I mean, all yeah. That bullshit for kind of. Got like that, what they call that anime and all or, that. Anime. No, I mean, all what the, the Disney's and, and, animations. and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yes. But they're political as well. Yeah, yeah very. And, and and you know, Disney's come over under some heat from it all. But boys, I think if you really think about it, even whenever you go back to old cartoons, if you watch them, they're they've always been political. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, just like they said, the whole Scooby Doo. You know, they was always smoked up. Yeah, you heard that <laughs> right. And you hear the magic dragon. <laughs> Did you hear the whole deal on the Scooby Doo? Yeah, 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 I've heard it. Shaggy. But I mean, they were. Like, like if you looked at an Asian character inside of an old cartoon, they were the same. Tooth with the glasses. Yeah, they were the same propaganda uh, Asian character that you would see on a poster that was supporting the war. If you, 
if you look at all, <laughs> I mean, uh, let's see here. <laughs> I mean, hell, what I, language was it? Well, I, I was trying <laughs> to think how, how to sell this, but look at the Mexican characters in in our old cartoons. That Speedy Gonzalez uh, and Slowboke Rodriguez. <laughs> you know, the, if you looked at the Mexican characters in our cartoons, none of them played the star role uh, in the cartoon. They were all these drunken. Right, right. Sleepy, <laughs> sleepy, lazy Mexicans is what they played in in and we're really just the opposite. Yeah, the hell, I ain't gonna have my concrete finished if that dude's sleepy and drunk. <laughs> but it, it well, was slowpoke. He carry a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you know, as kids, we don't know what we're watching. We just we don't even know that's a damn Mexican. We yeah. just know he talks different and wears a hat and a mouth, poncho, mouth right? With the sombrero, yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, but I think the big difference, the shift we've seen is that even if these things were wrong, you know, through the, the modern lens, and even if they're wrong at the time, they kind of reflected the popular culture. And we've shifted more to where these tastemakers say, no, you're wrong. This is how you're supposed to think. And I think that's where the shift has come. So it's it, always mm -hmm. been political. Explain popular cu culture to me. Was was the country less divided? Was it more of a 75-25? Or, I mean, in my opinion, we've always been a 50-50. So I think the big problem, and, you know, I make money on it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a laptop class dude. But the Internet has not been good for human civilization. I mean, I'm glad oh, I, to be I here agree. with you guys yeah. and that we're going to be able to share this out. But it's allowed people to narrow themselves down into these Categories. ideological holes where, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know who my neighbors vote for. If I drink bourbon with my neighbor, we might talk about it or something, but they're just, you know, people. they're my neighbors. And right. when you just congregated with the people around you, mm -hmm. you didn't get as hung up on this shit because right. you right. couldn't, you, you, there was no right. way to, to be like, and now with the internet, people can just retreat to their home mm -hmm. and like, well, I'm, you know, a hardcore progressive in a blue or red state. I'm just going to sit on the internet and in these online angry. communities. Yeah. yeah. And in the right wing, you know, we do oh, it. Yeah. I'm a right and, and winger. We do it too. Behind that oh yeah. I, yeah. I think us as, as, as a squad here, we kind of like to be not on the blue and not on the red. We, we travel down the, the white road of, of the flag, you know, and, and, Politically, being a redneck, it's it's one of those deals to where it's been an oddity in our community for me to get along with the people who would be on the far side of left or the middle side of left. And I could also get along with the guys on the right. Um, and that's because I I see people's both ways. Stupid is stupid regardless. Right. And and you know, you meet somebody that you know is maybe not on the right or on the same, I don't mean right, but on the same path or way of thinking as we are, I'm not going to intentionally not going to get along with I want I want to hear their story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want them to explain to me and not knowing, but anymore, get, get me anymore, to that's, their, yeah. it's strictly what news channel you're watching is your 
political divide. And I don't watch I don't watch any of that shit. Well, that's why you travel down the white road. I, I think I think the majority <laughs> of people do follow they're kind of neutral. I think that's the majority. It's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's the the whiners on the far left, the whiners on the far right, right. that cr- create all this commotion. I, and that's a good point. Uh an issue we have now with the uh the whiners is the extent to which Twitter dominates newsrooms and right. and Twitter. I, I use Twitter; it's fine. Uh, you can get a lot of breaking news there, but that's where the crazies really congregate, and mm-hmm. it can turn into these echo chambers. And you'll see these things spill over from Twitter into mainstream news sources. And uh, it, to your point, Aaron, it's the crazies that are getting amplified because. They seem like a much larger uh, percentage yeah. of the population right. on Twitter than they are in reality. Right. right. Whereas most people don't, you know, they're going to be angry kooks that are going to find reasons to dislike people. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't think about that stuff to this extent where we're walking around going, all right. Uh, what did he do? Yeah. 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 What did he do? Well, let's go away from that shit and let's start talking about something else. What's, well, yeah. your, what's your favorite <laughs> movie of all time? So, uh, it's a very highbrow film. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right. So that's, I was uh, I was about eleven years old when Ferris Bueller's mm-hmm. Day Off came out, and I was a pretty clean cut kid. But I, I like to, you know, break a few rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just such that hit home. Yeah, he was you just bet. he was the man who went and did mm-hmm. what he wanted to do. But he wasn't like an abject criminal in the process. Right. He was he was kind of following the rules while he was breaking the rules. Yeah, right. like he was worried, you know, like the, the the burnout and high. You know, when I was growing up, they just didn't care. They yeah. weren't trying to adjust their attendance. If they got kicked out for missing too many days, they got kicked out. So he was still keeping his eye on the prize on graduating and whatnot. Exactly. But John Hughes was just such a tremendous filmmaker. You think about everything he did. What uh, all did he do? So you've got uh, Ferris Bueller. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, now I'm going to draw a blank. This is why That's I write a lot. Uh, so I can, <laughs> I can go back and research. Didn't he do... Uh, didn't Hughes do The First Vacation? Well, I don't know, but really? I ran across that lady at, at the the, uh, the aunt who had the dog who died. She works at Smashburger <laughs> on Rainbow. Oh, Park. yeah. When it was... Eat- who was it? So a dog that. pissed on the sandwich. That was the grandma. I thought. No, that aunt, was Aunt, aunt Esther. Aunt, aunt Esther. Yeah, his yeah. aunt. Her aunt. Yeah, it was her, her aunt. aunt. Yeah. Yeah. She works at Smashburger yeah, on Rainbow. The dog <laughs> pissed on the picnic mat. She's already taken a bite. <laughs> Chevy Chase is a legend, dude. Oh, legend. And you know that's something to be seen him currently. Yeah. He's still pretty good. I yeah. mean, he's yeah. he's an old guy. Well, there was a time that for our generation. Saturday Night Live was oh. a pedestal to get yeah. you into some oh, big absolutely. time shit. Look at all the people mm-hmm. that come through Saturday Night Live, especially so, that generation. I mean, you man. mentioned uh, what the hell was it? Boy, uh, John Belushi, yeah, the Animal House. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Those guys, that was prime. But look how many of them guys died really young. Oh yeah, they went the pretty hard. Cocaine. Oh, they oh, went pretty yeah. hard. All right, so. New Saturday Night Live people. Do you know any of them? Yeah. Like I guess one. probably the newest one I would say was that the black girl Jones, something Jones got the spiked up here. She was on the new uh, 
Ghostbusters. I hadn't seen that either. I, I don't but know. But he's a movie guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that they kind of jumped the shark Saturday Night Live. I'm going to say that it's one of those deals. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's not near. It's not as good. To where it was a staple in most homes mm-hmm. on Saturday night. You know, you would sit But, you know, I never it. watched Saturday Night Live live. Yeah, because uh, you I were was still at the bar. At, <laughs> I wasn't at the bar when I was a kid, but I was out doing shit, mm-hmm. and I didn't lay up the house. Mm-hmm. It it took me a long time to uh, finally accept it. It wasn't that, it, that I uh, was that religious of a viewer into adulthood, but it was, you know, maybe a decade or so ago. I would still turn it on on Saturday nights. At this time, I had a you know couple of kids, so I'm always at home on Saturday nights. And you watch, and you and it's like, why am I watching this? The this music is, sucks. Yeah, this is never funny. The music anymore. was terrible. Yeah. The music on Saturday Night Live. It, there again, it was somebody I didn't even who the hell is this son? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I showed you how cool we were. We had no clue, and this guy's obviously pretty. Big I don't know. Merle Haggard was ever on there? <laughs> Probably not. Was he? I don't know. Probably I, that's not. probably a good research project. <laughs> he probably didn't. But I would sit there and watch the the musician, and I think this is. I mean, it's just they crap. weren't even having a good time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they, to me, they looked like they were riding a bicycle. They had that unhappy look on their face. Oh, <laughs> easy. They're jogging. Yeah, I mean, two most unhappy people are never bicycle see a riders jogging yeah, and riding right. a bicycle with a smile. You're, you you never telling me that. you smile when you're riding that bike? You like a hundred percent of the time. Bullshit. Oh, Bullshit. Aaron. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why this else? is the real divide in Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, cyclist versus cyclist. Absolutely. You're smiling. I get a thrill out of it. Yeah, when I'm hitting jumps, even if I'm climbing a hill to. I tell you what they to need the to do one. is all of them need to get that playing card, tape it on their old forks. <laughs> That'll put a smile on your face every time. One of the rich people in town just recently purchased a new Porsche that's electric. Yeah. I and mean, it, if you're going to buy one. Well, the other morning I'm sitting there. You don't want there. it to run fast. Well, I'm, oh, sit- they're quicker. I'm sitting there in my truck and this, it's kind of a mate, is that right? Matte finish? Yeah. yeah. Matte finish. Yeah. Not shiny. Grayish blue Porsche real wide at the ass of this thing. And my wind is down, and this thing snuck on, snuck up on me like a Native American. It just, it just come up on me like he was hunting me. And I was thought, you like parked or yeah, I was parked oh, right okay. there on the side of the dang Main Street. Well, it don't run very fast. No, it was just. Silent. Here's the deal: if I got a damn sports car, I want it to sound like a sports you car. Damn, right. there's a mode for that. You can probably tune it up and make it sound. Yeah, they like turn the radio cool on, or yeah. They got some exhaust that's linked to the radio. You can pull up a when you were in high school. <laughs> put it on YouTube. <laughs> when you're in high school in Arkansas, vehicle. Oh, first thing you did was get dual exhaust. Well, yeah, I mean that's pack. how you could court women was how your muffler sounded. So you I didn't was have to talk to him. I was <laughs> never fortunate enough to uh, to do that. What were you court cruising women in? or? <laughs> I was not the uh, coolest high schooler, uh, <laughs> if you can believe that. Uh, I guess you played a lot of basketball. Or... I, man, I was hanging out in my friend's garage playing terrible music. Uh, but I didn't get that. Ford Bronco 2 was my first vehicle. Didn't even and, have an exhaust leak? No, no exhaust leak. Sometimes and, you got to cut it a little bit. <laughs> and my dad uh, is not, that's not his thing. So he was all about woodworking and hunting. And he used all, so there was no like out in the driveway fiddling around. Like the first time I ever worked on it myself, the... Uh, thermostat had gone out in it 
And I was a poor college kid. And one of my buddies said, man, just go to AutoZone and get this part. It's $15. And then go buy a six-pack of Guinness for me. And we'll <laughs> so sit in front of your apartment that, we'll and pop throw that this. Sandwich in there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let it cool off a little bit. We'll yeah, drink, yeah. We'll drink yeah. half that Guinness. <laughs> so that's pretty much I, I've done some other things. Uh, I had a car that the uh, sunroof started linking. The uh, tubes that they run down the uh, door panels right. had shrunk up over time. Mm. So I went and got some plumbing supplies from Lowe's <laughs> and some. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Should just bought yeah. a tube of caulking, been yeah. done with it. Joe, what was your first car? Uh, mine first car was the fresh El Camino. Oh, Ooh. golly. Uh, Can't decide whether he wanted a truck or a car. It was, yeah, a, it was perfect. 83 <laughs> model, fresh El Camino, nice. midnight black. Had baby moons on there. Nice. Uh, the air filter cap was turned upside down so I could get a little bit of yeah, that. Old V8 in it? Yeah, 305, oh. 305, right, V8. Holly Quadra what, what year was it? 83 model. Had air Dang, shocks in the back so you could go up to the gas station, fill those get things up. Load, get your whole load of Get your little rake in there. It would push up that back and you could just stack that thing full mm -hmm. of fat girls <laughs> <laughs> and, and that he did <laughs> <laughs> but uh so we're we got a guest here named rich mm -hmm. we're gonna question so to become passionate about writing bill here has written a couple books two or three books and it, is it easier now without the pen and the computer or do your thoughts come down on paper? You're scribbling stuff. Because if if our listeners haven't looked up his stuff on The Federalist or wherever you find it, mm -hmm. he's a brilliant writer and has to be to keep my attention. Because if you're boring, I don't make it through the first paragraph. Mm -hmm. See, I don't think I can. I don't think there is such a thing for me. I mean, nothing against writers. This is what, just reading, like you told the artist reading a couple card. shows ago that men don't like art. That's kind of a women deal. We're sitting next to a damn artist who's created some beautiful art, and he's in charge of putting art in museums. And all them people are women. And Joe says, men don't even like art. And that guy looks at you like a dog. And you said, you know what I mean, real men. <laughs> <laughs> Guys that don't paint. And <laughs> now you're telling the writer that, uh, that you... No, I'm just saying for me, and I, and I said it, nothing against writers. <laughs> I'm just, he didn't may, insult my manhood in the process. It, it may real be, men don't write. No, it may Full be... humble, Joe. It, just, it may be me reading. I may, I, I may have one of them learning disabilities. <laughs> I can't read without thinking about some other shit that's more important than what I'm reading. Okay, why why is that? So the Rich? only I've only read one book in my life. That was Merle Haggard's biography, and you got me the second one. I haven't even fucked with it yet. Mark Count that's two. But, <laughs> I mean, I can read stuff that is interesting to me. So right. you're read, you're reading As news articles and shit on Facebook if they're not very long. Yeah. So what's I mean, you put that shit on there, and if it's longer than the half inch, I'm. So if it says you're my buddy, and I go on. If it says continue, you don't hit the continue. Hell no. Nobody does. Yeah, they do. Not men. I mean, women do. Teenage girls. 
All right. Well, okay, so I've thrown this out several Rich times. Tell us this. <laughs> no, let me finish real quick. I'm on the still. I got, uh, and it's not just me. There's other people just like me. Go ahead, Rich. You're up. <laughs> All three I don't want everybody to think I'm an asshole. <laughs> oh, Joe, since you and I are uh, teenage girls, I guess we need to have a pillow fight at this point. So. Uh, no, I, for me, the computer has been a uh, even a word processor. That's been a huge leap forward. Because I never learned shorthand or anything like that. I don't know what I, if I would have if I had come of age in a pre or if I hadn't had access to a typewriter. But it's uh, you can lose thoughts so quickly when right. you're trying to write. And you can lose them even with a typewriter no matter or a computer no matter how fast you type. So I think it's been a, a great, you know, so move it, forward. It's so we've talked to comedians. We've talked to musicians. And the secret they they get a cadence in in their craft, whether it be comedy right. or music Writing or whatever. Or, yeah. So as a writer, that if I write something, it's because that's what happened. This is funny. I'm gonna tell you guys. And you're gonna write it just like it. So yeah, there ain't like gonna be no periods. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no punctuation. But if if you're writing it, is there a cadence you try to get on? Yes, and it depends. Sometimes I'll have an idea, like the Cocaine Bear review. I, uh, my my daughter and I, my oldest and I went and saw it. And we went to Lowe's to uh, get some uh, new hardware for the bathroom, just towel rods and things like that. Although I haven't successfully installed those yet, because the woman who lived in our house before us, every time you take something down you discover that her style to mounting stuff was to just drill holes into the drywall until it works. So I've got to do some drywall patching mm. so that hey, I can we actually... We know a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, yeah. The real man over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he carries mud and a four-inch knife in his back pocket All right, all right. That's good to know, Joe. <laughs> hey, but, but little FYI, if you're mounting shit and there's no blocking for it, there's stuff for that. Drywalls. Yeah, anchors. I had the anchors, but yeah. there was no, just... No, a, no, there's a new deal. It's cooler and shit. We ain't got time for it on the show, but the show. So, so, so I went to Lowe's, went home, uh, walked uh, my main dog to borrow a term from Dave Barry, the humor writer, and I thought about it and just kind of stacked it in my head from start to finish, sat down 30, 45 minutes, wrote it all out, submitted it, and it ran the next day. Other times I'll have a loose idea and I'll write it all out and then I have to go back and edit. I'm like, okay, the rhythm's not here on this. So it is like writing a song or something like that. So you do have a rhythm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the thing about writing that's different is you have to find a way to do it in a way that appeals to everyone because nobody's going to read it in the exact same rhythm right. as you wrote it. Right. So, so are you, you trying someone, to catch in the first paragraph? Oh, yeah. You... You can get a, a lot of mileage if you can get people invested in the idea, and it goes back to high school. Uh, you've got to, you've got to get at least part of your point, your thesis statement out there. You know, mm -hmm. here's what we're going to talk about, or here's how I'm going to hook you to get you through the rest of this early on. Well, our teachers were trying to teach us something, and uh, so it's like, I mean, cooking up a story, telling a story. You're a big storyteller, yeah. so what I do, what I'm better at, is sitting down. And turning that story into words where I can go back and fix my mistake. I can look up what all John Hughes movies there were and things right. like when that. When I say something stupid, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, what make, but that's what makes our show, Joe. Yeah. It but does. like, I, you know, one of the first times I ever talked to Joe, I, uh, I want to say you started talking 
about your bidet. Probably. And, that was a big topic. And everything <laughs> else that went along with the bidet. And it was just this rollicking, like, 15-minute story. <laughs> like, man, that's a, that's a lot of words. You know, you should, you could probably, you could hire an editor. You could record this shit and and let somebody else put the punctuation mm-hmm. marks in it. <laughs> yeah. But see, you don't get the same deal. I mean, you don't think that you can read a story and find the same humor? You words on a good story. Oh, yeah. Nah. So. Oh, nah, okay, man. so my my question for Rich is... Does is comedy as potent read as it is spoken? It depends. If because uh, it's written differently, so if it's written to be read, then it can be as potent. But if you read a transcript of, you know, like Bill Maher has been on a role lately with some pretty funny stuff, uh, 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 Ricky Gervais. If you read some of their stuff written down. There are moments, but it doesn't have the same appeal because they're putting their rhythm into it right. on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their mm-hmm. delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the words matter, but also the, the intonation and everything matters. And they don't have to rely on, no, they have to rely on the audience to not get offended, which usually doesn't happen anymore. But they don't have to rely on the audience to hear the pauses and things like that, that they would have to craft a sentence to insert mm-hmm, those exactly. pauses so that people uh, get the build up Com- and get the release. So your most successful article that you've written, how do they come up? How do they tally? Or is it just off of, because it's web-based? Yeah. And I actually don't see a lot of the analytics for it because I'm, I'm just a freelancer. So I'm not behind mm-hmm. the scenes on seeing all the numbers. So I'll see some, but honestly, probably uh, one of the things that uh, has blown up the most, and it's been several years since I wrote it, was something I wrote in 15 minutes. is about 200 words. It was a piece of satire that said that, uh, con- is it Hunts? Whoever was pulling Manwich off the shelves gotcha. because they couldn't determine what Manwich <laughs> self-identified what it was. Oh, as. No. <laughs> if it was oh, a sorry. hamburger or barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I mean, a lot of people thought it was real. And I mean, but at this point, who knows? And you it know? was satire. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it was 100%. That could be super just... <laughs> relevant. What, what made you think of that to write so that? I think it was probably around the time maybe when Aunt Jemima was being, you know, the, oh, yeah. the yeah. Land O'Lakes. Have yeah. y'all seen the joke oh, where yeah. it shows the picture with uh, the Quaker Oats guy and the Land O'Lakes lady and Aunt Jemima, and they're all standing there. And then over time, the only one that's left is is. Quaker Oats guy, the white guy is the only one. <laughs> the guy right, stay yeah. on the he won anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Rest of them are all out of work. But it was probably one of those situations, and just thinking about the fact that man, which has the word man in it, and yeah. people were talking about, oh, well, what's your gender identity? And oh, not to gosh. not to push y'all's show off of the white, but anyway, yeah. that was the impetus. No, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think in the white, we could have an we can have a our idea is there's two kinds. There's a man and a woman, and and you know. I've been watching Sean Ryan's interviews on YouTube, and Sean Ryan was a ex Navy SEAL turned CIA, solid guy, solid guy. He's he's proven his his worth, and he two weeks ago had a, the Navy SEAL that made a lot of news because the Navy SEAL transformed into a female, got a boob job. So it wasn't him; it was right. another guy. 
the guy you're just talking about, it wasn't him. No, Sean Ryan did. didn't yeah. do okay. this. The guest on the show right. was also a Navy SEAL, and he wasn't just a Navy SEAL. He was like SEAL team commander. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was a chief, went to work for the Pentagon, the CIA, all of this stuff, and then transitioned into a woman that he never want, he, he he was never attracted to men through this whole deal. When he says why he did it, because now he's back to being yeah. old boy. He regrets it, 100%. He, he regrets it because he was so intelligent, and he didn't research, because he had researched everything in his life. It, all When they're pre-planning to go in and, and attack somebody, there's so much detail that goes in. They know every tree, bush, what time the guy sleeps, what time he shits, and while he's on the toilet, we're going to go get him. And it's at this time. This guy... Went through this deal of getting a boob job and taking all these. But did he get the whole full He didn't get the lower unit, but he, uh, (laughs) it confused him. But then he decided. Because he said, he said he did it because he was loved whenever he did it. Mm. And he had went, Mm. uh, this is confusing, Bill. Loved. So he, yeah. So as. A lot of people's PTSD, a lot of people's PTSD is team related. They're no longer on a team, right? So when their their brotherhood, their love, all of that stuff comes from this team environment. That's what's happened to a lot of guys that we've sat around the table with. No longer on a team, drives them crazy. Mm-hmm. This dude no longer had love. He didn't have love from his family, nothing like that. He put on a dress because someone said they put on this dress. We're gonna go outside. And everybody laughed and talked to him and showed him love. And he felt good about it. So he got titties. Mm. And uh, Quite the leap. Yeah. Quite, quite the leap. <laughs> and I don't expect very many people would do that. Because very many people don't do that anyways. It's it's such a small number. So the guy was... The, a- the amount of people who get that done is a lower percentage than your legal limit to drive drunk. So the guy was in a very vulnerable position vulnerable state but you wouldn't think a guy where like that, that would be you wouldn't ever think, be in a state like that you wouldn't i mean think, but they that's just they me. can come back and be totally wrecked and you're wrecked for, once you do it you're wrecked and any there's and, no historical data that says no, what I'm, this person's going to be 20 about years from the now. military guy that was totally wrecked that yeah. came in and started getting some attention started getting some love people were probably reaching out to him say we support this or whatnot yeah, again and let's then, talk about whiskey or something no. and then he feels like he was, yeah, he felt like he was doing some good. No, I mean, it's a man which situation. to the community, and yeah. The man which feels that same way. It don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. It's Thinks a it's switch. Sw- it's a sweet. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get my money out. <laughs> yes. A man, all right, I got a man which story. Oh, you're right. 20 bucks a month. I'm in Ohio. This has been 20-some years ago with my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. We go to Ohio to her family reunion, and it's by one of them Great Lakes, and I'd never even Ohio? seen Ohio? I thought it was Maryland. It was, this was in Ohio. And uh, it was in the town of Lorraine, Ohio. And uh, I'd never seen the Great Lakes, so I'm checking out that old deal, draw bridges and all that business. <laughs> and... Uh, you say draw bridges? Yeah, they had they draw. Yeah, they, yeah, it's a big-ass Did you ocean. say drop bridges? Draw bridges. Oh. And so I'm checking out the draw bridges, and she says, We got to get back because they're having a barbecue. I'm good. And uh, 
we get back and I'm looking in the yard and there's no smoke. There's not even a damn barbecue pit. And some woman comes out of the house and she says the barbecue's ready. And I'm trying to figure this old deal out. Because maybe in Ohio you don't need fire. <laughs> <laughs> I go in and there's a big old aluminum pot sitting on the stove. And there's some hamburger buns. And I said, where's the barbecue at, ma'am? She said, it's in the pot. And I look in there, and it was Sloppy Joe. Man, which? And I said, <laughs> same shit. Ma'am, that's not barbecue. There's some confusion going on. <laughs> and she, she said, yes, it is. It's Sloppy Joe. And I wasn't there to fight anybody. <laughs> So I ate some pickles. <laughs> uh, you didn't even eat the sloppy Joe. I didn't eat the damn sloppy Joe. I was mad. I mean, sloppy Joe and man, sloppy Joe and man were the same shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's same. Yeah. It's the same deal. Now, down I like me little man with sloppy Joe. Hey, Levi downtown man. Rogers makes a mean sloppy Joe. He really does. It's on he his smoke menu. Smoke it or something. Dark <laughs> pot. I don't think anywhere on they the bring menu it, it from says Ohio. barbecue. Bring it from no. Ohio, I guess. I don't know, but. Rich, so I'm the Federalist. What is the genre of the Federalist? So it's a very political uh, online magazine, uh, center right. Uh, it's uh, doesn't take any editorial positions. People try to ascribe a lot of, oh, well, you published this, so the Federalist believes this, or the Federalist believes that. But it's just a collection of people who kind of agree with one another on a lot of things, but will disagree and fight on things too. But... Uh, it's interesting. People assume that if you're writing for a political publication that you're being told. Right. And now, like, I mean, there might be times when it's like, hey, would you write about this? But it's never write about it in this way. It's just, right. would you write about this topic? And you can go in guns blazing and be mean. Or you can <laughs> uh, you can pull back a little bit and uh, and. They'll as long as it's good, they'll publish it. They so, how often are you turning in something and it gets cold? Uh, not they publish pretty much everything I write at this point. I've just been too busy to write as much as I want to because uh, I do have a day job. I've got three kids. I've got a wife. A podcast. Yeah, so and your, uh, so I'm old. So when I first started, I uh, would do a lot of stuff at night. So. You know, I and the kids went to bed earlier because they were younger. So you could get the kids to bed around eight o'clock or so. Mm -hmm. You hadn't had any whiskey or anything, and you're like, "All right, I can go write for an hour or two. I can get this done." And now with kids and homework and everything, it gets to be nine thirty or ten o'clock at night before I'm sitting back down. And I'm forty seven. My brain's not working at that point of the yeah. evening. Yeah. So, so are you as passionate about writing now as you've always been? I am. Uh, and I want to do it a lot more. I, I think the problem is it used to be a bigger challenge. And then once it got kind of easy. You're Tom Brady in this. Day. It got, that became a problem because it's like, oh, well, I can do it in a minute. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can last minute that. I can do that. And it's like, no, it's still, it's it's just like building a house or anything else. No matter how many times you do it, you still have to go through the steps. You can't right. start with the roof. Right. But uh, sometimes I'm. I might think I can start with the roof, and it's like, all right, well, in a little while, I'm going to sit down. I've got this idea. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be my closing sentence. And then I start to try to put down the foundation. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> what, what could, I feel that with editing podcasts. I, yeah. <laughs> what could, do you know, I bet you do. I do. What I mean, could that's exactly me and, what I was thinking about when mm -hmm. he was talking about that. Mm -hmm. What could me and Martinez do if, if we're writing? Okay, here's the deal. On Wednesday night, 
Aaron's going to send me a note and ask if I have a, for a write up. A write up. I'm in the middle of editing, and and he'll send me uh, a deal and want a write up on this particular show. Right. And I don't want to think about it. And there's Joe's Joe comes, boom. Like he that. puts action to it, and he's 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 much better at it than I am. Which I doubt I am. You are. No, you are. You are. But. If if me, Martinez, Bill, Aaron, if one of us wanted to work on hooking our audience or our friends or our family, whatever it is, how what's a lead sentence that has a lot of momentum that, that's going to push the story or, or the or how grab do, them. how do I, I just... how I mean. Okay, so like I if I on what you're if about, I'm going to write yeah. if I'm going to if I'm going to plug this. For Rich, I'm going to say on this week's show, Rich Cromwell, our guest, famous national author, pop culture specialist. Freaking icon. Uh, <laughs> you can just keep on making up lies. <laughs> no, well, I mean, so in any marketing situation, the goal is, is to tell people how good the shit is that you're fixing to get a hold of. In my mind. Yeah, right. And so I'm not going to say Rich Cromwell, who used to be cool. <laughs> but I don't feel like you overplay everything. No, I, mean, I, when I you do something, I read it, and I'm thinking in my mind, man, that is exactly it's what good. I would have said You're good if I knew it, the sure. words. That's I, why I, I go to you, because, A, I'm in the midst of editing a podcast, and I'm kind of spent at that point, and then I'm like, hey. If you think I'm good at it. You got to see yeah. what old rich can do. But see, oh, that's bet. all. It's all the skill. It's all just how you apply it. So uh, here's a little uh, Beastie Boys uh, story <laughs> for y'all. So the Beastie Boys were in the studio late one night and they were recording the song Sure Shot. And they didn't have a hook for that song. And none of them could think that hook wasn't their thing. So they called their DJ, DJ Hurricane, who wasn't in the, wasn't even in the studio. He's at his house asleep. And wake this dude up in the middle of the night and like, hey, we need a hook. And so if you listen to that song, Sure Shot, the hook is this dude woke up on the, the phone. on the phone and they recorded him through the phone just because in that moment <laughs> they knew that that was his skill was that as long as he didn't overthink it and yeah. they just put him on the spot, he could come up with it right then and there. Damn. So, and that's where the hook for Sure Shot came from. So, mm. see, Damn. right, you're, 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 you're playing the, hook, the DJ and, Hurricane role. And the hook yeah. was... <laughs> Uh, it, it's several different things depending on the on the verse. So, uh, okay. like the uh, the last one is a bald, and I'm rocking the sure shot. Ad Rock is rocking the sure shot. So, I mean, it's right. simple. It wasn't like a whole yeah. bunch of words, but yeah, right. Huh. Yeah. So, like when I was on stage, two thousand people in the crowd. I used to not think one time about I'm gonna offend somebody. Like it never. And I, you would always come back and say, "Boy, I offend the shit out of you." <laughs> I, <would. laughs> I remember one one year you came back and you were like, eh, "I might have got to earn some skin." <laughs> well, and and but I thought, know, "What's wrong with that?" I think it's good. What's wrong? I, with I, that? I, I really, I I think it's good to pinch people, not to the point of pain. I think it's good to pinch it's them and wake them up. It's not going to be boring. Yeah. They're not going to be bored. That's comedy. That's so, comedy. So there you go. When you're thinking about your sentence, you think about how am I going to pinch people? And so that's what, who are the good comedians, comedians right now? Comedians really yeah. do that. I mean, that's yeah. what they do. Have yeah. you all watched the Chris Rock special on? I haven't yet. On yeah. Netflix. I've, I've seen yet. the highlights. Okay. Yep. So 
you know, a lot of people think that Chris Rock is, I, I've heard from people, I'll say, have you seen the Chris Rock deal? Oh, no, he's a racist. Oh, God. Chris. He's a Chris racist. Rock is a racist. Chris Rock, to me. We're talking a black guy. <laughs> well, trust I mean, me. Hey, I've hey. been called racist. Hey, that, look. That's if, by Hispanic guys. If my daughter yeah. went over to the black folks' home for Christmas, there would be some racism. I'm just telling you. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in the South, dude. We it, know that that's a two-way it, it deal. It goes both ways. Yeah. It's it's two-way deal. So Chris Rock, to me, rides that line to where he will make fun of the blacks, he'll make fun of the whites, and it jails because right. he's he's splitting it down the middle mm-hmm. on the thing. He's a and, comedian. He's a black comedian. And if you can't can. laugh at somebody making fun of you, if it's funny, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, like, I, I mean... I, I guarantee you, I've I've heard more Mexican jokes than anybody in the room. <laughs> I guarantee. <you. laughs> but seriously, I mean, and if it's funny, I'm going to laugh. Yeah. If it's not funny, I'm like, that's the worst fucking joke I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm uh, He's got free credits like a pinball machine. But that's the uh, so. But that's the role comedy is normally played. You think back to you know the Shakespeare, and not that I was sitting around reading Shakespeare, but the court jester was a big thing. And what did the, the court jester serve to do? Was to bring up uncomfortable truths exactly. through humor. Mm-hmm. And Break, you know, we've got it. that now. But people have gotten so sensitive there. They want they want to they want to shut the jesters up. But no, we need the jesters more than ever right now. Absolutely. To get us all back to okay, it's okay to laugh because it's got to be who's our I think who's our Mark Twain? I don't think we have Mark Twain. Yeah, but I you don't talk know. about Macbeth. I always thought that was Ronald McDonald's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> do do we not have a Mark Twain? I think the market's too diffuse now for yeah. there to we be one person. You know, when Twain was writing, there wasn't there weren't as many channels for someone to reach people. So who would be the closest? I don't. I guess. Know. Man, I, I wouldn't have a clue. Well, maybe that's our well, damn problem. Ever, maybe ever, our problem is we don't have a Mark Twain. You were talking about comedy and writing. Or, or that there's too many. How about the many. Confederacy of, of Dunces? Did you ever read that? So I have not read oh, that, sadly. Oh, my God. It's like the uh, Con- Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, but it's set in New Orleans. And, I mean, there was there were, especially in the middle and uh, leading up to before the last third of it, because I think he had to wrap it up, but... <laughs> It was just hilarious. I'd find myself just... What year was this published? Oh, I don't know. Probably 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but it is. And the guy's passed away. He was young. Uh, but anyway, it's it's worth the read, for sure. So, I'll put that. That's yeah. one I, I, I... As a writer, I'm terrible about reading, especially about reading it, fiction. So right. I've been working on reading more fiction this oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah. See, yeah. Well, uh, you've read Puddinghead Wilson, you th- yeah, I guess. Maybe. Do you think that's a male thing? Because I I prefer to read factuals, I yeah versus nonfiction by a hundred percent of the time. I do. I think that's the more often than not. If somebody's like, I don't want to read a story, it's going to yeah. be a man. Yeah. So Martinez, you had. <laughs> I a mean, point. I, I want to read a good story. <laughs> Is it because of her laziness? Because I I mean, if you put that story on TV, I'd watch it. Yeah, probably. Right. I'm I'm the same way. Well, I'm, but I also I would also watch it if it was a factual documentary about something. That's documentary. I love doc. I'd rather watch a documentary than I would a movie. Mm-hmm. All right, Rich. and if it's a movie that's based on something yeah. factual, like Cocaine Bear. 
Like Coco Bear. Yeah, but <laughs> Rich, do, do you learn more from watching it on TV or from reading it in a book? Definitely from reading. Really? I uh, I can, I have to turn off the distractions. Uh, you know, we all have modern a lot of distractions in the modern world, but I I will digest and retain information a lot better from reading than I will from any other form, and that's that's pre-internet. Even growing up as a kid, yeah, I retained better uh, from reading in the classroom or reading my homework than I did from the lecture or from were, the lessons. Were you a good reader? I was. Or you probably you were at young age and i think that's the point i wouldn't i, I think that's good, like i was a good reader i think that's part of your deal is i think so learning how to read and being able to read <laughs> now he's gonna get him being able to read hey, the whole, <laughs> well, the being whole able caption to read deal i'm gonna watch quick it. enough to keep it entertaining exactly it's a big and problem. i think that's what it is it's I, a big I problem said that while ago i think i yeah. have a learning disability of some sort you know there's if i watch a show that's got the captions I can't, can't read that part. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. gotta pause it. I think it's a, <laughs> and then it just loses its whole. Day. I think it's just. Okay, well, I don't know what's up. There's a structure to learning. How you to guys read. don't have that trouble. You can read it. As well, I mean, most of the shows it. that I watch with captions, I already know what the guys are saying. It's because yeah. they're from Mississippi or whatever. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you watch a yeah. movie and they're speaking a different language and there's captions, I don't even watch. Yeah, it. you can keep up. I can you keep up? Yeah. Can you? And see, I, I think it's. Uh, learning how to read. That's a big part of what people get enjoyment out of, or they don't. A lot of people won't get enjoyment because they can't keep the sentence going long enough or quick enough to exactly. keep their attention. That, yeah. That's my deal. I mean, and, I just and stay into the story I mean, if, or the book. Unless it's Spanish, then I don't want to read it. <laughs> yeah. So mine would be I don't put, like, if I'm reading it, I don't, I don't put the, uh, the pep in it. Right. Like, like I'm, to me, it's just exactly boring. About. I'm just, I'm reading words. It's like me listening to Clem yeah. read right now. You know, Clem's in second grade, and whenever he reads, it's like, Jesus, son, just stop that <laughs> shit. You got an A. Stop, <laughs> stop reading. But if, if I guarantee you, well, we've had Bill read on the show, mm -hmm. and when Bill reads, he puts, he emphasizes stuff, and he puts a character to it. I bet you Rich is that guy. I guarantee mm -hmm. you. That he, mm -hmm. he knows how to do that. When I was a kid at graduate school, Glenn Duffy Elementary, we had this, our librarian, her name was Mrs. Cloacy. And that bitch could read. That's a reading <laughs> son of a bitch. And I'm just like, God, man. I mean, she would, what amazed me, is she would glance at that book and... Because mm -hmm. she didn't do it for read, 10 read, 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 Well, read, and that's yeah. kind of And what, then she'd glance back and, I mean... So do you yeah. guys, are you guys reading, like, all right, so this is a weird deal. This sounds like Jordan Peterson on me. But is it is it something to where you guys are reading further down and putting it back in your head, or are you on a word and put... Uh, for the record, I'm not a good reader. Well, you're oh, good shit. at bowling. We just figured <laughs> out you're a better reader than I am. I'm, yeah, I'm probably better than Joe. But <laughs> some humble. Uh, I'm not a Are, great do you, reader. So how how do you get to that point, like Joe's saying, to where that person's looking at something and they're and they can't read that many words that quick, and then just <laughs> they look and they talk for ten minutes and they look and they talk for ten minutes. So. I mean, it's just like anything. I think it's just practice. Yeah. And I, I got lucky. Well, there I was, we go. That makes sense. I was obsessed as a real young kid with people thinking that I knew how to read. So I would have my mom read the same storybook to me every night to the point where even though I couldn't read, I know where the page turns were. And one time I was with my great aunts and I vanished. They found me in the pantry with a birthday card. 
memorize just saying it over and over again. That's yeah. weird. And so it is, is weird. That is weird. But I think weird. I, I kind of taught myself how to read, and I was accidentally teaching myself how to read in the process of this. Yeah. And then, uh, I enjoyed it as a kid. I think it helped. I, I probably should have followed in my dad's footsteps. So. In Pine Bluff in the early 80s, there was a huge snowstorm, snow and ice storm. Pine Bluff doesn't get weather like this, but it did. There's a man which tie in here too. And so we get this uh, huge ice storm and everything is shut down for two weeks out of a month. We had a fireplace. My dad had a camp stove and... Uh, he and I, my mom went home. He was like, well, we got some manwich. I'm going to make us some manwich. <laughs> it's always in the story. Here we go. And uh, what we learned that day was you have to cook your own beef and add it to the sauce. You can't just open uh, a can oh, of manwich yeah. and uh, eat. So we were in the kitchen on the can. <laughs> so, so we didn't have You're power. You the sauce. Well, we did. We patties. get to that point. <laughs> so we didn't have electricity for two weeks. And in those days, cable companies were just local people who bought the licenses and transmitted right. them out to the town. Mm -hmm. So we, the cable company had been shut down for two weeks too because they didn't have power either. So they sent my dad a bill for the full month. No, I'm only paying for two weeks because you weren't yeah, operation. Yeah, right. So they went back and forth until they came and cut the cable. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he was right. And so I didn't have cable for until I was a teenager for most of, you know, from uh, maybe four or five years old. Oh, so he wasn't going to give in. No, he didn't give in. So we didn't have so all years. Yeah. And so if I wanted to entertain myself in a <laughs> sit down, if I was done yeah. playing outside, riding my bike, riding my skateboard or whatever, I didn't have and a video read. game system. There were no computers. I read. Yeah. And so I think it was just kind of a fortunate you know that combined with my weirdness, and I, I, and I, I think that's part. That's a big part of learning how to read. Is there's got to be a will. Yeah, there's because I didn't get the will to read. I didn't want to read when I was young, but when I got older in my later twenties, I'm getting up there, guys. But <laughs> when I got older, ago. I wanted to, wanted to read because that's that there. See, I, I there's a lot of knowledge read. that comes from that, and a lot of knowledge that you can gain. And Joe, do you, do you read magazines? I don't read shit. Emails. He reads three letters <laughs> on a Facebook post. Headline of the, of the, three of the email. Yeah. So I mean, never told me that shit. I didn't read it in the headline. So Joe, uh, I, I read a bunch of shit this morning. Some shit popped up on Facebook, and it was actors or people that made a lot of money and now are broke. <laughs> yeah. You read and the I feel like of... I didn't want to make that same mistake, so <laughs> you well, read the I whole thing. Read some whole shit. I mean, like Gary Coleman. Did you guys know that so much was like a security <laughs> guard? Yeah, he ended up security guard. <laughs> Lost his ass and then died because Lost he had a ass. had a seizure and failed his death on some shit. Well, yeah. God bless him. What were you, what are you talking about, Wilson? <laughs> what you talking about, Wilson? <laughs> so I was going to say, now after this, what you got to do is you got to go on Facebook, Joe. And you start off you a long post, a recipe or whatever, and then once you get to the the portion that's continued, uh -huh. then you could just go off on a rant Dirty about Martinez, brother. and he'll yeah. like it. Not ever know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're completely right. So, for, we had a guest on here, Bob, who was a state trooper. Remember Bob? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And Bob is a long post guy on Facebook, and he is he's a storyteller. 
and he he writes a fantastic story every morning. It's usually on there about five thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. And so I'll read. It takes me a minute, minute and a half to read his story, and that's how I wanted to get Bob on here. Clay Newcomb, who the the Bear Grease deal. Clay's podcast is in story form, and if if I was to read what he what I hear, I I would be just as passionate about his show because there's a lot of information in there, right? Um, but and I see, need and the see that's what grabs me information. I mean, shit. I, I, I like you got to care about it. Information that you got to give a shit exactly. About it. You have to. That, it's that humble bullshit. Well, I am humble. <laughs> <laughs> Says it on his cut. Says it right on his <laughs> So, no, I, the reason why I wanted to get you on here, I wanted to talk about the writing. I yeah. wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the political environment of the media. And I also wanted to talk about cocktails, drinking, and all of that. Let's go right into that. I figured you'd like it. That's one of my favorite subjects. So, <laughs> it's one of mine also. So, sitting here on the table, I was given at, in Texas from a dude from Georgia. A, a big old quart jar of some uh, brandy, triple distilled moonshine brandy, homegrown brandy. And have you tried it, Bill? No. Joe, it's pretty I've good. Tried I've tried it. So a lot of times when we're, Rich, I'm sure 50, 100 times in your life, someone's handed you a mason jar. And 95% of the time, it's dog shit. It. It burns. It hurts your nose. It's it it's got a, a a taste of petroleum inside of it. Now this particular jar to me is a really excellent job. Like this guy has worked on his craft, and so I want to drink out of these jars because to me it's the same passion that a guy who's a, a barbecue or a baker, someone who's passionate about their craft in the kitchen has put their same effort, and it ain't cheap to get into that deal. Oh, right. no. And right. it's 100% against the law in every state in the union to make one drop of liquor. Absolutely. It and, is, and I've had people say, oh, no, you can make it. No, you can make wine, and you can make beer. And you can distill the shit out of water. You can, you make whiskey, just go ahead and grow you some marijuana. Oh, yeah. Because it's the same shit. It's the same You're deal. You're going to go to jail. So to me, I'll, I want to drink it, and if you give it to me, you know what's going to happen. I'm gonna tell you the honest to God truth. I'm the same way. <laughs> that boy, that is I mean, nasty that is shit. <laughs> the only thing that I don't like about that is that lid. That's just not American. <laughs> well, oh. That lid's not American. That single piece lid. Gotta have on a mason jar. Yeah, yeah, right. Sin. Absolutely. Gotta hear. Well, that I'm wondering what ping. what fruit that's made from. Is it apple or is it pear? It's, it's, it's not grape, is it? It, it's it's great. It's I thought it had to be grape to be brandy. Is that right? Not necessarily. You no, got Calvados, and that's no, from so I apples. I don't know. So I'll bring a jug next week that's made with grapes. Okay, Concord grapes. So where did you? I mean, short of high school and sneaking some booze, where did you grab the passion for the the cocktail? Uh, it's been over over time. You know, I started off, like many of us, uh, looking for things that tasted the least like alcohol and got you the drunkest. Right. And then came to appreciate uh, just the taste of it. <clears throat> and I really enjoy cooking also. 
And it's interesting to me that people who get into really good meals and who will go in their kitchen and cook and use fresh ingredients and things like that will then get lazy on their cocktails. And it's just a natural extension. You know, if you're going to take the time, whether you're smoking meat or grilling steak or, you know, cooking a pot of soup on the stove, if you're going to take the time and get your fresh ingredients and do the same into your cocktails. And once you realize how easy it is to squeeze a lemon, to make some simple syrup, things like that, and you taste the results of a cocktail made with that versus a cocktail made with Collins mix or sour mix or something. Corbett ingredients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just a world of difference and it's so easy. And so for me, it's really an extension of the fact that I do like to cook. So it's just another way yeah. to experiment. So, and then, so on our uh, my podcast that I do with a guy from Austin, uh, otherwise he probably would have joined me tonight, uh, but he wasn't going to make the drive from Austin for this. Damn. Uh, not not today. Maybe someday. Uh, when uh, it's coffee and cachon, and uh, it's uh, C O C H, the, the French word for pig, mm -hmm. and it's coffeeandcachon.com. And uh, he was like, Well, you got to do a cocktail every week. And I was like, Man, you drink too. But anyway, it's turned into this challenge for me, which I've started to enjoy because it, it's easy. At the first, it's like, All right, we'll do a Manhattan, mm -hmm. we'll do an old fashioned. But we haven't been doing this for a couple of years, year and a half or so. And at this point, it's like, man, what am I going to do? Exactly. So, yeah. you, so <laughs> yeah. I think a, a lot of... You can enhance on that, I guess. Yeah. A lot of the the rednecks I hang out with, they're scared of a cocktail because it's always... It seems to be a sweet drink. And see, it doesn't. Uh, Not necessarily, yeah. Something I've been big on lately, the, I did it on the... Uh, I covered it on the show recently, was uh, I do like a Boulevardier. Which is never uh, had one. Don't so it's, it's, I'm not familiar with it. Sounds like a breed of cattle. All right, exactly. <laughs> so it is one and a quarter ounces of bourbon or rye, a one ounce of uh, Campari, and one ounce of sweet vermouth, which is everything you got in the bar. So well, I everybody's got that. Well, you know. Once you start stocking, then it turns into a whole thing where people can exactly. come to your house and I like being yeah. a smart ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I know, like most people aren't gonna. And I'm about to throw a loop on them. And uh, <laughs> so it's the, it's a cousin. So it's a riff. I believe the Negroni came first, which is a gin, gin drink, which is the same thing. One ounce, except that the proportions are equal. One ounce gin, one ounce Campari, one ounce sweet vermouth. But the Campari is a very bitter uh, liqueur. And that bitterness is good sometimes, but I don't always like it. So that one of the bartenders at Yayo's and Rogers... I was talking to him about it. My wife and I were in there just one night, and we get to talking. He's like, oh, use a Mario Nonino, which is another Italian uh, liqueur, and uh, use that instead of your Campari. And it makes a real good a Boulevardier, a real good cocktail. And it's not sweet. I think a lot of people, to your point, they get this idea that if they're having a cocktail, it's just going to be... A little bit of sugar. Yeah, it's going to be like bitter. Yeah. Anything bitter, I mean, that's what... it's kind of takes away from being the sweet yeah mm -hmm. and so you can find all this balance just like you don't want every meal to be 100 savory and spicy you want some other elements in there you don't want every meal to you know you don't want to eat donuts for every meal so uh but you can't I, I i get what you're saying people think oh well but nah but also drink what you like well right. i, I right i, I wish that's how i am I'll go ahead no i wish that i was capable enough of 
okay, so when you look at a drink menu, there's house specials and there's some stupid bullshit, <laughs> you know, that some weird stuff. It's kind of like that artist. Uh, but that kind of goes along with whatever restaurant it is. Well, yeah, but then there, but then there is, uh, there would be traditional cocktails, your old fashioned things, things of that nature. But then there's stuff that tastes like watermelon Jolly Rancher. Or, so you know the story behind the old fashioned. I'm sure Rich does. Rich, you know, I'm sure you know the story about the old fashioned. This was back during Prohibition, obviously, when they were cook, making shit in their bathtub. Yeah, so that's really, and that's to that's where. what they call it an old fashioned. Yeah, I mean, it, you start off with sugar mm-hmm. and some kind of. Bad liquor. Bitters. Terrible bourbon or liquor that they were making. So that cuts it down to where you can drink it. Yeah. And the uh, old-fashioned, people assume it's made with bourbon, but you can make an old-fashioned with anything. With anything. Yeah. uh, That's uh, basically any drink. It's either like a a martini. It's either a gin or a a vodka martini. I've had martinis of every kind, and I'm just not a connoisseur. So uh, that's 100. So that's really where I think the cocktail gets the bad reputation is because originally it was designed to mask the taste of bad stuff. Bad bad stuff. So you don't, if you're mixing a cocktail, top shelf stuff doesn't go in it. Well, it does now. It can. I am kind of a, to some consternation of some of my friends, I'm a little more like, I try not to be a dick about it. Like a if I'm bougie offering, on your drinking. Like if if I'm offering you some bourbon and you're gonna, it's gonna be consumed. What difference does it make to me if you mixed it with something before you consumed it? Yeah, but I'm different. I respect it. But, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm but, just uh, gonna say if somebody comes into my bar, and I'm I've got crown, I'm gonna say what do you want with it? Yeah, because if you're gonna drink Coke, I'm gonna give you some cheap shit. I'm not going to spend my crown to be mixed with Coca-Cola. And he's if you're like, drinking it straight You're in, probably like, crown, I don't know. I mean, I keep some, <laughs> I I mean, I know <laughs> I keep some Jim Beam and that kind of shit behind the bar if you're going to put Coca-Cola, because there's no difference. I mean, you're yeah. not going to taste any difference. But what? honestly, crown compared to the spectrum of, like, I don't know the last time Crown Royal won some big spirit award. It's probably been a minute. Right. Yeah. Okay, because it's blended whiskey, and that knocks it way down. Yeah. But which most people don't know that Crown is a blended and the whiskey. Queen everybody, died. Says everybody says it's a bourbon, which can't be bourbon because it's not U.S. Kentucky. It's fifty-one percent. It's Canada. Well, that has nothing to do with it. Fifty-one percent corn. It just it uh, can't be bourbon if it's not if it's made not, in the United States. Yeah. Rich is our house expert on the liquor. Y'all. <laughs> Yeah, I may be a shade older than old Richard, and I've been but, drinking a little while. Uh, I will mix. It depends. Like So in the room right now is a bottle of early times. I had an article I wrote about uh, bourbon hunting for uh, Spectator World that came out uh, at the end of December. Early times, that's the most underrated. And I hate, Absolutely. I hate admitting it to people because I don't want it to become scarce. Like right. everything else. Is it was hard right. to find. I bought old that. Charter. Old Charter is my same yeah. thing with me. I bought the early times because a dear friend of mine, that was his drink. He passed away and we the had week of his yeah. funeral. I bought a couple bottles early time and I had to go to three or four places to find it. So that's gotten to be one that I treat it like 
uh, an ingredient. Like, you know, if you're at the store, you're like, well, I'm going to need some flour at some point. (laughs) So if I'm at the liquor store and they've got those bottles early time for 15 to $17, depending on what store you're in, I'm going to buy two or three of them and just have them. Nice. And And to me, old charter is the same thing. Yeah. But old I mean, charter, really. And there's a little nostalgic. My dad drank old charter. One of my buddies drank old charter. I mean, I just I'm going to have old charter on hand. So, like you know, Four Roses is one of those deals that doesn't get a lot of credit in the United States. But I think it's like the number one. I think it does nowadays. It does. So it does Four now, Roses it used to be. Excuse me. Didn't oh, go ahead, Bill. In, but it used to be considered a little low rent. Exactly. <laughs> but but it's yeah, not now. In the no, Japanese it's really bought not. the distillery. No. Go ahead, Rich. Sorry. Well, no, it's funny. Uh, uh, my parents have, there was a bar, I believe it was called Rich's Bar, but somehow in the, the churn of thing, my little sister is going to get this work of art. But there was a, a Four Roses uh, ad. So back in the day, they painted ads on metal. Right. And it's this giant, uh, I think it's three by six, like painting, painted on metal. Martinez is going to try to get it from me. And it's, it, <laughs> it's a hunting lodge. I will set. buy it for you. If you <laughs> it's a hunting lodge. And so there's, you know, like a, a like a, a, a raccoon hanging. There's a, a shotgun. There's the jackets oh, Rich, and boots so and stuff. So many of our listeners want this sign right now. And it's the only way you know it's an ad is there's a fifth of four roses sitting in the floor next to the boots. I believe it is <laughs> next to all this stuff. Mm. But yeah, Bill's right. And a lot of these places went through hard times. My great uncle was a chemist during Prohibition, and he was also a fan of booze. And once Prohibition ended, it took all the distilleries a while. Now, during Prohibition, he did the very legal thing of testing booze for purity. Oh. For, <laughs> which meant that I have had Prohibition-era moonshine. My dad still had some that had lasted from my great uncle. Wow. Wow. You could not taste it at all, but it was kind of like swallowing a like a firecracker or something. That stuff hit your stomach Burns. and bloomed. <laughs> but uh, he kept buying moonshine after Prohibition ended because he's like, it took the distillers a while to get themselves going again. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've really just now gotten to the point, or not just now, but within the last couple of decades, to where the Four Roses, the places like that, mm-hmm. have really kind of returned to their roots. Like, if you read about Jim Beam... Mm-hmm. Everything that Jim, like basically Jim Beam created all whiskey. I mean, this is a huge exaggeration. But if you start tracing family trees, it's like, oh, well, Eagle Rare actually goes back to this beam. And Bakers and Bookers, yeah, those were beams too. It's like a coach's ladder. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're, it's it's good and bad. We're in this like golden age of bourbon, but. That's where I was going to head. I think we're coming into an age where bourbon, whiskey, is in it's like the new craft beer yes is how i relate it because don't say that out loud (laughs) but it is it's frustrating though because because it's a new thing everybody wants some good whiskey good bourbon or good and you've got people who buy it up yeah i've been to a house and i'm not gonna it's you know a friend of my kid i've got a couple of buddies the same way i'm sure yeah and you know you'll thousands you'll go yeah yeah. oh yeah and like so Weller Antique is one of those bottles that people kind of go after. And I went into this guy's house and in his office, he had probably 50 bottles 
of Weller Antique. 50 bottles? Just unopened, just sitting there. And he had equal numbers of bottles of other hard-to-get things. On the one hand, I'm not a dude who's motivated by jealousy. Right. But on the other hand, it's like, man, Let's it's drink people it. like you who make it so that we can't just go buy this stuff yeah, in the store because exactly. every time it comes around, y'all buy it all. And you're not even drinking For it. your library. And I get that. I get yeah. that to an extent. But me... I'm I'm a one I mean I I will take I mean, if I go to one, I got two or three buddies yeah that got like he says thousands of dollars of alcohol one of our buddies used to be your neighbor daughter got married whoops out a bottle of Pappy went Pappy Van Winkle and he says you 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 come here we're sitting down there we get a glass of that. And there was people walked up, hey, can I get some of that? And he goes, No. 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 So, so and that's just not how but I, I mean, am. And I'm and I'm the same way. I'm just not that way. You but. can go to my house right now and I'll have two cases of crown. Yeah. I like crown. I do I like to drink other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm gonna go right back to what I drink. I, I have four bottles of Buffalo Trace, which is hard to find around here. Yeah. I'm going to drink all of them. I'm not going to save one back <laughs> to put on my shelf or do anything. I'm going to drink them and kinda enjoy like them. Kinda like if guns. you come People over to my house. guns and they don't shoot them. If you come over to my house, you're going to have We're gonna drink you're gonna have a glass of Buffalo, Buffalo Trace. So, Rich, the value of these liquors is supply and demand. And so if you're buying something that's, uh, you know, it took seven years to develop that bottle, right? And so if you're an if you're a new kid on the block with one of these fancy labels for a recipe and it's aged for 7 years, well they didn't know how much they were going to sell 7 years ago. It was their first run of this particular spirit. Mm-hmm. And so by the time it gets to the store and some jackass on TV's drinking it and everybody wants to drink it, well now that bottle that may have been a $30 bottle becomes a $100 bottle. Mm-hmm. And then these hoarders, just like 22 shells, <laughs> they'll go out and and they'll buy it up. And so the whiskey industry is a super hard thing because you have to forecast seven years in advance if you're running a seven-year-old whiskey. It's not like any other mm-hmm. business to where you're trying to say, well, the economy is going to get better next year. You went through damn near, you probably went through two presidents, right? Mm -hmm. And so the whole world can change. And if you made 800,000 bottles and then your stuff gets shown on a Jeffrey Dahmer movie, like it goes great with toes (laughs) 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 and no one wants to buy that shit. That's not a thing. I'm just saying your projection is the, is actually like. A bunch of these things that we consider high end really are no better. There's bottles on the lower two shelves at the liquor store I agree. that are probably. I, think I sent you a TikTok deal, and it was a, you probably didn't read it, but or look at it. But they, yeah, I mean, there's there's a guy that's on TikTok that he actually looks at the lower shelf. Yep, and he, he does critiques it and them. picks out the picks out the higher end lower shelf stuff mm-hmm. and compares it to. Mm-hmm. the mid-range, or the good stuff. I think the problem is there's a lot of stuff that should be on the middle shelf exactly. that's sitting in the office right now. Yeah. yeah. For example, 
when I first heard of allocated whiskey, it was about five years ago. I had a, a, a memory. You know how your phone will yeah, pop up? Describe that whole si- system. And so allocations means that only a certain amount is sent to each state. The liquor stores fight over the allocations. And then normally the liquor stores will limit it to one per person. Right. About five, a little over five years ago when it was first happening, I was in Macadoodles. And so we were talking about Blanton's before we started recording. Blanton's was the first good bourbon right. that I splurged on. And I would buy one bottle a year for $65. My, my birthday is after Christmas, December 30th. So around Christmas, my birthday, I would buy one bottle. That would be my good, like, reserve bourbon for the, the year. And it would take you a year to drink it or just I special would reserve occasions? It. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would special occasion yeah. it for a year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and around this time, I'd gone in. And there's no, you can't get Blanton's. Yeah. Where's the Blanton's? Oh, we don't have it. And before it got to the situation it is now, they were starting to put the allocations out on the shelves, or they were still putting the allocations. And I saw the, the label, allocated. And I grabbed a bottle of Weller Special Reserve, I think a 1.75, and then a bottle of uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon cream. And I get up to the register at McAdoodles, and it, Gives a warning. Oh, you can only buy one of these. And I said, well, I thought I was just limited to one each. I thought I could buy as many. Uh, right. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, really? Allocated means. Take your pick. Yeah, take your pick. But the manager was there. was like, override it for him. So, I don't, you know, I don't nice. know if that's a good thing or a bad so thing. So why, <laughs> why, why does the industry do that? To cause to so false hot. supply and demand? Because I'm starting Probably. to, like, you know, I'm a capitalist, but I'm starting to think that there is some purposeful. Right value inflation going on because stuff that a lot of this stuff is good but come on like like i was in chicago last summer and i had some george t stag i paid 25 dollars for an ounce of this an ounce but i was on vacation there for some concerts Mm -hmm. early in the day yeah i'm gonna buy this yeah it was delicious and the buddy who i went with sent me a thing today from a liquor store, not a secondary market, and I don't know where the liquor store was, for a fifth of this George T. Stag, it was either twelve or $1,800. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Holy like, I, I'm willing to accept that bourbon is, you know, maybe some of this stuff is worth two or $300 because it's rare, like the Pappy, you know. Pappy mm-hmm. is basically Weller. Right. So, well, you know. But, but Pappy started out as regular mid-shelf, it got to. The, have you seen that Pappy Gate on yeah. uh-uh. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. I have not seen it. Pappy Gate. It's it's literally a documentary of where the guys were stealing the liquor, and, and they were softball players. Yeah. I mean, they were regular guys just like this. They all worked Buffalo Trace. Yeah, and they went to after they'd won some tournament. And they'd went to some guy's house, and there was a bunch of doctors and attorneys, and they said, "Hey, can you get some of this Pappy?" You know, Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, how much you want? And they worked in the they worked at the distillery, so they didn't know this. It was on allocation. Mm. They, they go to stealing s- shit, and it, it went from they started stealing barrels, less than a hundred dollars a bottle to thousands of dollars a bottle to they're stealing barrels. Holy cow! You need to watch it. I need to watch Pappy it. Also. It is bad. I'm surprised you hadn't watched it. But but holy cow. To the whole distributor thing, or the, the, the distillery thing, though. So if y'all, 
y'all didn't really jump in on an allocation was bourbon cream. Now bourbon right. cream. I heard you say bourbon cream. <laughs> like we a, just kind of thought you were weird is. and red a lot. That's like a twenty-two dollar <laughs> bottle. It's like, it's like the bourbon version of a of a Irish cream. A Bailey's. Right. Of a Bailey's. Yeah. yeah. Carolina is the cheaper shit. Yeah. And so I bought this shit five years ago. They had it at Anchor Wine and Spirits recently. One bottle limit. I bought one. They sold out because you know you sometimes you play these games where you like leave and come back. Mm-hmm. By the time I went back, they were sold out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, put on your glasses. I went back a couple of days later because my buddy had wanted one, and they had it back in the shelf in the in, not in, in the, the shelf case. in the case in the reserve case. This is oh, a twenty-two dollar bottle of like fifteen percent bourbon liqueur. <laughs> There's nothing special about this medium shelf. Twenty-two dollar and. So I bought the, and my wife likes it. So I bought the, the bottle and I went home and I was like, honey, like I promised Alex that if I found this, I would give this to him. Mm-hmm. If you want to reserve, you're going to have to run to the liquor store. She's like, right now? I'm like, yeah, right now. To get Cheap the shit. bourbon the version shit. of Bailey's. Can like, I tell you guys an allocation that struck me in Texas? So, you, so do, you know what, do you know what the definition of allocation is? Allocated supply. So it's allocated to somebody. So as a supplier, as a supplier and you're a liquor store, I can't sell you more than I sold you last year. Right. That's that's what allocation is. Okay. So my deal. So the same deal. I mean, I'm selling you this $22 bottle shit every however many a week or month. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and then that shit blows up. Flying off. I can't shelves. tell you anymore than I sold you last year. All right. So, but you got more people coming in and buying the same thing just because it's a fad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mine wasn't whiskey this weekend, so I decided that steaks for sheepdogs. We were going to cook 150 pounds of mashed potatoes to go with all the proteins that people were cooking at the steak cookoff. So me and Shane and Bubba go to Sam's Club. Get put, some. I put 150 pounds of red potatoes in the cart. I take six of the gallon jugs of green beans. No, of sour cream. Put inside there. I grab three four-pound boxes of unsalted butter. I do not believe in salted butter ever in my life. We go up to the register. Shane Lynn won't self-check out because we don't work at that son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what he said so never got a, haven't got a w2 yet so we we go to the deal the lady rings up 150 pounds of potatoes she rings up six gallons of sour cream she runs the first two butters over the little doohickey the third one she says sir i'm only allowed to sell you two of these butters oh my god i said what do you mean she said it's, it's a two limit per customer I said, do them bitches know that I just bought 150 pounds of potatoes? (laughs) (laughs) I could understand, but shit, I got 150 pounds of potatoes here. (laughs) Shane said, don't worry about it. I'll buy it. (laughs) So they would only give you, um, because it was $14 for four pounds of butter. So if you go to the grocery right now, a pound of butter is going to cost you six bucks, right? So it's a a smoking deal on butter. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how many people are black marketing butter right now. Like <laughs> I, I don't think, start. I don't think I'd buy that shit if Joe's standing on the corner with a side. I got butter, <laughs> and you can't really sit on it. You can't just be <laughs> no. like, oh, I got the butter. Yeah. Yeah. You can freeze it's it. It's gonna get soft and crazy. It'll, it'll get hard, hard again. So, so Rich, <laughs> we're in Arkansas. It'll be hard tomorrow night. <laughs> so, <laughs> something that I've picked up here recently on on my Facebook friend request is I have several people request being friends of mine who I, I have no idea who they are, but they're some sort of social media liquor distributors to where I think what's happening is exactly what you guys are saying. These Have you got them, Aaron? That's where I was headed. These guys are buying up the liquor. Now, I don't... It has a new law and passed. They're sending like a friend request on Facebook. No, yeah. No, so, so if you, go ahead. The, there the, are ways to get around Facebook's resale system. Well, I'm right. just asking how does how do you legally how it's like not could I legally case? sell you my liquor from that cabinet? Yes. No. Yeah. Legally, no. I don't think so. No, you can't. Uh, but there are now. I'm looking. Uh, there are some uh, ways to get around it. Uh, so hypothetically, if you were trying to avoid the algorithm, if you wanted to offer, uh, let me see what you got here. There's uh, just some random shit. He's got some. You say I got whiskey glasses, yeah. cool, or henny up there. All right. So I got this uh, moonshine out of Georgia that I picked up in Texas. I've had a little bit of it, but it's good. And let's say you want to sell it for twenty bucks, forty bucks, whatever. So you put your picture on there, and everybody's phone has these things on them called emojis. And you can find a picture of a deer or something else like that. So all you do is put a picture of that jar on there and say, I'm looking for 40 deer emojis. Deer. 40 bucks. Yeah. And you would do the number maybe. Yeah. Hypothetically. Or the... uh you know, and maybe, and so there's well, like it's, it's illegal and it's against it's against com. It's against Facebook's regulations. Forty roses, there, but there's a huge market for yeah. like the whiskey deal. Yeah. So there's the last people bottle buying of, this up. And I've had three for, of them rich this month. So that the, are these distributors. The last bottle of uh, Blanton's I bought, I bought from a person, uh, or I traded some some bucks, some bucks to a person <laughs> here, some here locally. Faces. Uh, on the because that's where it's gone. It's yeah. it's it, the the bourbon black market is rivaling. It's not rivaling mm -hmm. the drug black market because but at the same time it is thriving, and the price increases are insane. Yeah. So like, like a bottle of Blanton's like is about sixty five seventy in the store. So do you what do you, what's your what are your thoughts on the flavor of Blanton's? Oh, do you like it? Well, finish this. Yeah. Thing. Okay. So but so Blanton's. If you were to go on the secondary market, which everybody knows exists, I don't know why I'm pretending to dance around the subject. It, mm -hmm. It's there. Mm -hmm. That's like a hundred twenty-five dollar bottle, right? Stubble. And Bland's is good to me, though. It's nostalgia because it was the first bourbon that I spent money on. To answer your question, uh, right. Joe One, Joe Two. I'm not sure what y'all's yeah. y'all's ranking. Joe W. Joe the Mexican. I won't be offended. <laughs> Humble Joe and, and Joe. Uh, I think Bland's, but it, it was just it was the first like single barrel. It was the first time I'd ever really thought about what went into bourbon when I bought this and a friend had been like, Oh, Hey, check this out. And so Blanton's has a lot of nostalgic value for me. 
I think it's good. Do I think it's worth 125? 125 bucks? Did I pay 125? No. You, I, you, you guys want to know, for... but... know what I gave for this right here? He's holding up a, a, a 1.75 a crown for those not. Uh, <laughs> uh, what would you think? Not clear. Fifty dollars. Twenty-seven fifty. Thirty-eight. Now you're just getting crazy. You're thirty-eight bucks. Thirty-eight bucks. I buy buy the case. Joplin, yeah. Missouri. Yeah. Sam's Hosea. And that's what those <laughs> guys you are illegally doing carrying that it through, are literally through two every lines. liquor store. They're subscribed no. to. They're getting the newsletters. They're waiting. Yeah. People camp out for this hours. stuff. Oh yes, that's hours crazy. in line to pick up one bottle and then checking so out. Maybe like remember that tickle me Elmo one. deal? Yeah, yeah. Same shit. But it's maybe so people will go camp out in the the Walmart in Jane. Yeah. Like I've seen people camp it's a great out overnight. Liquor store. But on those Tuesdays when they get the rare bottles, you've got all these people just waiting. Yeah, you think it's for resale? I think mostly. I guarantee it is probably. There's I think nobody it, in McDonald County. Missouri. I think it's probably 50-50. I think there are those people who don't have to go to work on Tuesday morning or who can like fudge and like go in a little later or whatever, who are just hanging out because they want the bottle. Yeah. But there Most are definitely people who are yeah, who are just buying That's it to flip because mm-hmm. you can throw twenty dollars on anything pretty much. Hell, so when I I was in and a, most people are gonna pay it. Oh yeah. The last time I bought uh in a liquor store, Eagle Rare, Weller, and uh, I think Buffalo Trace, although I might have bought Buufalo Trace and Ankerson's because those other places because the Razorbacks like on the start of football season, you watch right all the liquor stores are like, hey, we put this out eight it, cases of this it, out for yeah. the start of the season. Yeah. So I was in this liquor store in Houston buying Sazerac Rye because or sorry, Fort Worth because my wife likes Sazerac. And uh, I bought all these bottles. Came back to Arkansas, and now Sazerac is readily available in Benton County. Like, you go to Guess Who, you can go to Anchor, you can go to all these places, you can buy Sazerac. When for a long time, you couldn't. Sazerac's fine. It's a little mm-hmm. overpriced. It's like $30 a fifth, but it's a good, you know, my no, well, wife I'm, likes. I'm not familiar with Sazerac. It's what a rye. It? Okay. It's uh, just a rye whiskey, and uh, it's not, I forget, it's it's owned by Diageo or somebody. Yeah, now. It used well, to that's, be, what, that's who owns Crown. Yeah, so it used yeah. to be you know, a bigger thing and it got bought up. And so it's a $30 bottle. You can buy it at liquor stores and you look on the secondary market, people who hadn't figured it out because they live too much on the secondary market. I, I got this bottle of Sazerac for 45. And mm-hmm. It's like, man, I don't want to screw up your sale here, but y- you know, that's on the shelf at yeah. every store in Northwest Arkansas right, right. now. Yeah. This like, is, <laughs> and that's what it, it about. And a lot of these whiskeys, these rare whiskeys, it's nationwide. Like I was up in Kansas city and I was at a party and, Hanging out with some guys, and they're big bourbon guys, and he had a bottle of Blanton's and all sorts of different stuff hanging around. And like, there's whiskey clubs. There's- okay, so what do you guys? So obviously, if it's nationwide, there's some sort of distribution of knowledge saying that this is the shit that y'all need to go buy. So what is that distribution of knowledge that's making something so sacred? I, I don't know. I. I I, I mean, I'm I'm not a a lot of it, top shelf bourbon. A lot of it is experience. Guy. I mean, you guys you guys know what I drink. Yeah, so I've drank it for 25 years. <laughs> what do you drink again? I can't remember. 
Fuck you up. Fuck, fuck, fuck. No, I think, so the Crown Royal deal is, is when we were in high school, Crown Royal was top shelf. Mm-hmm. It's still the same liquor. Same that, shit. So yeah. Joe's drinking it because he's it's passionate great. about I like it. it. I mean, I like My it. My father-in-law it's great. loves it's great. Crown. Yeah. I like it. So I love it. I don't like it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I know Joe thinks that all of this new verbiage that's going around the table is is picking on Crown. It's no, not, I mean, no, it's oh, not. No, 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 no. It's really not. But Joe has a point in that he just sticks with what he wants. Yeah, because that's what I like. Part of what's driving this is when you start getting into the world of bourbon or anything. So, and I'm, I'm waiting to see. I've actually kind of gotten interested in tequila. Because oh, there's a lot of good tequilas out there, oh, and I want to start buying. I love tequila. I want to start buying some good tequila because I I think that might be the next thing. It what's, your fa- what's your favorite tequila right so now? So I don't have like so I'm I'm I like uh, Jose Cuervo. Oh uh, no, cheap the rep- I know movie. it's the cheapest. Yeah. The, the, the like but twenty dollar like Reposado. Yeah, and no. I normally mix it, but I want to buy a <laughs> I want to buy a sipping tequila. Codigo. Codigo. Okay. Yeah, C O D I G O. Okay, it's Cody. It. That's George Strait's. Yep, tequila. It's, that's it's, it's good shit. It's, it's really expensive. It's phenomenal. You can buy better, better tasting stuff cheaper. All right. Yes. Uh, so there's a uh, Doris, which has got like the stag on the bottle. Can you yeah, say yeah. that in English? There's Doris. <laughs> no, there, there's no way you can say that. Trace generations. Uh, that's kind of old generations. I mean, it's that's kind of like the Jose Cuervo. Oh it's no, in the same. it really is. It's I, made oh, by it's salsa. Good. Guys, I've had more As tequila. To it's, I got, it's great. At one yeah. time, I had 300 Hispanic guys work for me. Every year, they'd go to Mexico, and they'd bring me back a bottle. Mm-hmm. Nice. To me, the bottom, it's, I mean, and I don't mean to say the bottom, the, I mean, there's tequila, and then there's, uh, dang it. Oh, mezcal. Mezcal. Yeah. And then you've and got two different things, kind of. Dale and McGay from the mountain villages that are 8,000 feet high. But I've been drinking this tequila. My father in law turned me on to it. It's got the Corlejo. It's got the. Slammy. Corlejo. It's got the. Worm. The damn uh, horseshoe. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And there's like three different kinds. Yeah. And it's affordable. Gold. Too. Huh? It's affordable, too. I mean, it's. I mean, it's thirty-eight to, to fifty-eight. But see, that's reasonable. Yeah, it if is it's something yeah. that you're going to drink is. straight Com- compared is. to like Codigo. But that's for like a fifth. Like sixty yeah. bucks for seven fifty. But I mean, I love my old father-in-law, so I always make sure I got some for it. What so, is it, Rich? But we were or talking Alejo. about tequila. Uh, but so that was the thing. If once I got into this bourbon thing, and I before I got sidetracked, started talking about tequila because I want to get some before it gets trendy is there's a lot of trendiness. So a lot of bourbon is good. And when you start, it's fun. If you've got a couple of bourbons around and some people do a blind stack yeah. on them, throw up a yeah. vertical tasting. Yeah. So I did one with my wife where I threw up a early times. Did you Just, actually throw it up? Or? I didn't throw it. <laughs> I it. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, early times and Eagle rare. And then I have a, uh, a bottle that's kind of tough, tougher to get, but it's good. It's not bourbon. A Jack Daniels single barrel, uh, barrel select that's good that a stuff. buddy had given me or sold to me uh, that he got Daniel. from. A, he got it from a, a store pick uh, that came out of California, Whoa. and uh, he lives in Chicago. He gets all kinds of different opportunities. He's like, ah, here you go. Anyway, so I gave my wife this. So I'm thinking the Jack and the Eagle Rare. It's going to be. Mm-hmm. 
The Eagle Rare was hands down. She's like, I don't really like this. Worst shit she ever had. Yeah. The early times, that's number two. That's a solid, that's a solid second place. The Jack came in first place. And so when I first started really paying attention to these Facebook groups and stuff, you see, like, when I first, uh, Smoke Wagon, that, uh, oh, yes. that whiskey smoke out of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had Smoke Wagon because everybody's like, oh, you got to get Smoke Wagon, Smoke Wagon, Smoke. Right, right. Because it was kind of the new trend. It was available. Cool but, looking bottle. But right. not totally available. So the stores were still it's selling like out. A medallion inset in the glass. Mm-hmm. And now cool you can shit. go buy Smoke Wagon anytime. Uh, Nulu was another one. Uh, and Nulu, and I'm not trying to di- disparage any of these, but it's just. But y'all, like you say it's so trendy, and so that yeah. drives today. Up. What what's good today is out of trend next. Yeah, week. and so Crown Royal is no longer trendy, so it it's just available at the right. same price. Does that mean it's not it's a like good the whiskey? Thirty out no. six or the twenty two? It, it doesn't. It you can go anywhere and buy thirty out six pills. I like the idea of the old blind taste test. That's a good way to start off a party. We need to do that. Let's uh let's, let's see. So, what, we'll so see what you do test. So probably yeah. have a couple of these. Probably then, five years ago. I started in the summertime, I'd drink a little vodka. And historically, vodka was either high dollar vodka or cheap, bad, I mean, mm-hmm. cheap vodka. You had to either pop off or absolute. <laughs> there was nothing in between. Yeah. That so goose I wasn't go flying to, yet. So I go to, well, I mean, they, but that's, that's up there. Mm-hmm. So I go to, I think you mentioned it earlier. Uh, Anchor. No, no. Macadoodles are Macadoodles. future sponsor. We, yeah. Macadoodles, we've built every one of them. So I go up there and they've got, they have, you know, you can go in there and get a tasting or yeah. whatever. Right. Right. And I said, so what do you got in, one of my buddies come over and we were drinking at the time, poolside, we drank Pinnacle Vodka because it's in a plastic bottle, poolside, and uh, Gatorade. There you go. Sounds you right. Electrolytes. Yeah, yeah I, I do like stay hydrated, dehydrate. You bet. So I go down there and I said, "Well, that's." I feel like we're if it's in a plastic bottle to me, it's like a stigma. It's just cheap shit. So I go down there and I said, "What's what's your middle of the road vodka?" And she says, "Well, I'm gonna do a little taste test. I'm gonna mm. give you three vodkas, and you want to pick out the best one." So I do. She chills it. Boom, boom, boom. Listen right here is the best one. It was Svedka. Oh, there you go. And it was Svedka. I, like and I said, so where's that at on the money? She says, dead center. Yeah. You got pop off, you got absolute or gray goose, mm-hmm. and then you got Svedka. Yep. And Svedka had one, had literally won more taste testing mm-hmm. than and that's what I buy. I buy Svedka in the wintertime and I buy Pinnacle. In the summertime, because we're poolside and it's a plastic box. What you got? So Smirnoff, which we've all like, we remember probably stealing some bottles. Smirnoff wins. It's got all blind the gold medals all the time. Really? <laughs> and uh, like, I I'm not too much of a vodka drinker these days, but I went through my Grey Goose phase when the vodka craze happened. And uh, I mean, it's fine. I and would never makes, buy it at this point. But and who makes pop off? Smirnoff. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it probably just matters their, which cut it is, right? Just their, no, I mean, they're I well priced. You know? Hey, yeah. potatoes are pota- potatoes, potatoes. <laughs> gotcha, but gotcha. Uh, yeah. But I mean, same thing. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot, I mean, shots of of, of uh, vodka. 
I'm going to lean towards the Svetka or the oh, yeah. Absolute or the Grey Goose. I've, I've never shot you're gonna, if you're gonna Save your pocket. Oh, I have. But oh, if you're going to mix a Bloody Mary, like that's the only vodka, or I mean, that's the only vodka I drink. Bloody Mary, it don't make shit. Why would it? I mean, you're throwing it down. I mean, you're throwing some goddamn Pound of tomato, tomato juice. Yeah. Tomato juice. Mm-hmm. So this is where Four I'm probably at vodkas. a top shelfer because I... I'm trying to remember the last time I bought vodka. I, it was a 1.75. I bought Tito's. I'm a Tito's all the T- way. I'm so, a Tito's now. I'm a so Tito's it's, it was a couple of years ago, and I've probably still got roughly half that 1.75. So there's a new one. There's a, there's a new vodka that came out of that comes out of Austin that's actually made out of prickly pear, and it's pretty good shit. Hmm. There you go. There's your trend. All right, man. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna be a racist here, uh, Joe, humble Joe, because <laughs> you might know what I'm talking. The only reason I know about this is because just a friend who uh, lives in another state and has some contact with people who don't always cross the border legally, or who sometimes are able to cross the border fuzzily. Yeah, I'm over here legally. That what you're gonna ask? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Bacanaro. Are you familiar with Bach? I'm not. Oh, so, and I might Bacanario? be Bacanario? I think it's Bacanario. I think it's B-A-C-C-A-N-A-R-O. And I'm, it, trying to, I'm trying to get the Hispanic version of that. It's so it's another uh, version of an agave liqueur, or liquor, not liqueur. Not, is it, is, is that it, what we drank with Hannah? Was it kind of yeah, smoky? It, it's, gonna, oh, yeah, it's like mezcal, it but it's yeah. not yes. quite as smoky. Yes. Yeah, we drank it. And it can only, like, even though there aren't the laws around it, like bourbon or champagne, you know. I think that's exactly what yes. she But it's like these people brew this shit out in the desert next to the plants. Yeah. And I think we drank it with Hannah. Yeah. She had the only bottles that's in good the stuff. state. It's, that's right. Ain't yeah. that what she said? Yeah. Man, and I came on this podcast with I you thought you were going to be able to hook me up. I got I might. Hey. This is, hey, I got some. Rich, I got some people. We're, we're going to hit some you people. with some down home questions here. All right, uh, change pace because we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. Yeah, we have been kind of. Oh, it's been wonderful. Now there's but, always opportunity for part two sometime down the road. Yeah, for sure. Hey, yeah. Uh, so it's a question that we ask every guest. I'm not sure if you're a regular listener or not, but with this all your experience, not in about life, your butthole. Okay. Right? Yeah, with all your experience <laughs> in life. Uh, what in your eyes makes a man? How you are able to be a, a protective, stabilizing force for those around you. Uh, you may not always be the biggest dude in the room. You may not always be the ass kicker. But are you able to stay calm and be a pillar Mm-hmm. While those around you need something to lean on, that's pretty great. I like Rich. That's right? pretty great. That's pretty damn. That's pretty different good. angle, but I liked it. You're the catalyst. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, great. that was that was solid. My deal is Rich has always talked two things. One, your dad ever tell you he loved you growing up? Not a whole lot. Like, and, what he did? I, I know he does, but even now, like he's old, and he's still prickly. Like, if I try to hug him, he's like, uh, "Maybe I'll shake your hand." Uh, <laughs> it's always that awkward <laughs> no, side, no, side hug. <laughs> yeah. Do we know where that stemmed from? Like, why why it changed? Uh, so I know in my own dad's life. So my great grandfather, or I'm sorry, not my great, my grandfather 
was a hero in World War II. You're not going to find his name in any books, but he was a hero. Severe PTSD before they knew that was a thing. And so it caused him to, I think, like he, I think he was closer to me as a grandson than he was to his own children. Because right. by the time he got to me, he had kind of softened up a little bit and like right. knew what he lost. And it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, help you dick around with your skateboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, mm-hmm. but with them, it was just dad. And like, when I say severe, if they woke him up in the middle of the night, he would come up swinging. Oh, yeah. Like he was still. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There was guys out. that slept outside for a year yeah. before they went yeah. inside, you know, after the World War. And like, I remember I was a. Uh, we were going fishing one time on the days of three wheelers and Gramps was sitting on the three wheeler behind me. And I went over a log a little too, a little too quickly and jostled him. And he just wobbled the shit at me. <laughs> and in that moment, I was glad that my mom insisted that I wear a helmet on the three wheeler. <laughs> not, not for hitting branches or the handlebars for grandpa. But then it was a different time. You had all these guys that came from the war and it just, it's not that I, I think that they were less, you know, less soft than we, right. we are or harder than we are. They just expressed it differently. And also, you know, they were dealing with some shit. Yeah. So that goes right into my question. The story you just told your best childhood memory. So I had a very fortunate childhood. This is a tough one for me. You privileged I just want the best one. one. <laughs> I don't want all of them. One of your most memorable, something that really impacted you. I mean, first thing that comes to mind. So, the, man, everything comes back to the three-wheeler. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, Grandma slapping me. Grandpa smacking you. So this is actually going to be a two because there, there's a theme here in the way that we were raised as Gen X kids. First, snow on Pine Bluff. My dad is pulling me on the saucer sled in a... Behind the three-wheeler in the neighborhood. And we were in Pine Bluff, but we lived in a neighborhood. Pine Bluff was kind of a city back in the day. And he slams me. And y'all remember when spigots just came out of the ground before they were (laughs) mounted to the house or whatever? It just like a spigot came out of the ground. He slams me into that. We're not going to tell mom about this. (laughs) And another time, I was also going over a log. And this time I was by myself and we're on a big hill. We're going to, I think we're going to Mud Lake. It was either Mud Lake or Clear Lake. We were, we had a houseboat on land on the White River and there was Mud Lake and Clear Lake where you go fishing. And Mud Lake was clear and Clear Lake was muddy. Greenland, Iceland. And yes. And so we're going and my dad's like teaching me how to ride a three-wheeler over the log. You got to go slow. You just, I gunned it. Come on, pow, bucked you. Start to tip over. I'm on a, I'm on the side of a big hill. And I'm little. My great grandpa bought me a three wheeler when I was five years old, and this was before they had came out with the real small ones. Right. So you're on the one ten. I, mm-hmm. I was on a one ten exactly, mm-hmm. and uh, I catch it with my left leg, and I manage to finally get it back over. But the gas cap was not made to protect gas mm-hmm. from coming out. From coming out, and so. You first would light thing, up cigarette. <laughs> so I end up with this giant rash. All her, my dad says, so what are we going to tell your mom about this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <nothing>. They call <laughs> it herpes, dad. <laughs> Bad batch. I haven't had a river. So I finish up with who has your mentors been in life? So my parents, uh, my grandfather, my gramps, my uh, grandmother, and these are different. So this is my, my dad's dad, my mom's mom. So 
they, you know, whether it was my mom and dad or, you know, and my gramps died when I was in fourth grade, so I didn't get him for a long time. My grandmother didn't die until a couple of years ago, so I, but that was always somebody I could call. And then professionally, it's also been uh, a mixture of the sexes. So uh, Ben Dominich, who was with the co-founder of The Federalist, uh, who plucked me out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like we had gotten, somehow gotten a, connected on Twitter and he, the Federalist was launched and I DM'd him. I slid into his DMs. Hey, would you let anybody write for you? Yeah. Pitch me. So I pitch him. He goes, okay, give me 1500 words and I'll pay you X. It's like, man, I was going to do it for free. No, 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 no. I'm going to pay you. And uh, so that was like, I can get paid for this. And then he hooked me up with Molly Hemingway, who if you, well, we've all admitted we don't really watch Fox, but she's on TV a whole lot these days. And uh, Molly uh, took an interest in me early on as a writer. And it was just like, even though she was going bigger and bigger, it was always somebody I could go to and be like, what do you think about this? Is this idea stupid? And the thing I appreciate about the, all these people is they're willing to tell you when you're you're being, when you're being wrong. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest value that... Uh, there's something I try to do for my kids that I think needs to happen more than what you got to be willing to tell people when they're wrong. Uh, it's okay. If you tell somebody they're wrong and that they're stupid and they need to work on something that comes from a place of love. Right. right. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you, if somebody does something, does something stupid and you're just like, it's fine. Yeah. That means that you've given up. Right. You don't see any hope for them. So if Man, somebody's willing to be like, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. That means they still believe that you can be better. Right. And so that was the, you know, I, I know I gave six answers to your question. No, but that's great. one of them was solid. And, right. and I, I, you know, I feel the same way. I guess I just never expressed that. But, you know, there's a lot of times in the cooking world, I, I'm surrounded by legends mm-hmm. and I'll ask questions and I don't want to hear that I'm, I'm right. I want to know it's going to work. And uh, Mark Lambert did that to me the other day. I'm cooking a full moose head in Alaska this year from the snout to the shoulders, the neck and everything. And I want to do barbacoa and there's not going to be banana leaves or anything like that. And Lambert said, wrap it in seaweed. Boom. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So it's funny. I, when I was waiting tables and uh, lived in Nashville, as I mentioned, I was waiting tables in this uh, restaurant there. It's no longer there because uh, the chef, it, it succeeded. The chef just was able to go on and do other things. He's kind of able to just live that life where he does his thing. And I went to the general manager because I had messed up. I was waiting tables. I don't remember specifically what I did, but I went to him and I said, and I, I guess I'm going to owe you a dollar or 20 or something. I said, man, I kind of fucked up. He goes, no, you didn't. You either fucked up or you didn't. So did you fuck up? Yeah. All right. Now that we've gotten past that, what can I do to help? Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. And wow. I loved that moment because he was like, you did yeah. it. Oh, it's and a huge came learning moment, because, right? We're here now. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, you're Let's not dead. Hey, thanks for coming on, Rich. Hey, thank you all for it's having me. It's been a treat having you. I think this was an interactive conversation. Yeah. It was pretty great. We learned a lot about Crown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, the only, I'm the only guy that drinks it. <laughs> We've all It's drink. moderately yeah. priced hey, where can, for the Hispanic guys. Where can people find you? Hit them one more time. Shameless uh, plug. So you can find me on thefederalist.com, American, uh, spectatorworld.com. Uh, you can find me if you're on social media on uh, Twitter at uh, rcromwell4. Uh, you can find me. I have a public Facebook page. Joe tagged me on that on this. Uh, 
And then you can find my podcast uh, on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Coffee and Cochon, C-O-F-F-E-E-A-N-D-C-O-C-H-O-N. Beautiful. Great. His his show's a great show. Yeah. It's, it's nothing like our show. Sure. It's, and uh, what got me is when I've been on his show, like the next week, they'll have some director of a big-ass movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so... It's an honor to have you here. I Absolutely. did learn a lot. I did too. I uh, honestly, I would like to have you back at some point, sit around the table with us. You're just down the road. Maybe we'll mix up some co- cocktails, do one of these tastings. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We should yeah. do that. That'd be awesome. Well, yeah, it, it's some blind been a, tasting. You know, you finally got me to the squirrel dairy, man. I, I'm bad. Like I, I'm, I get yeah. caught up with my my kids and everything, and I, I have never been to the squirrel dairy before it's, today. So it is what it is. Joe, Joe will give you a thimble of squirrel milk yeah. on your way out. It's like it's my always treat. <laughs> and we'll do like a white Russian. There we go. <laughs> white, white Mexican. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheers. We love you. Thanks for listening. Like it, share it, spread it around. Good night. There ain't a barbecue cooking women say they're good looking into me. There ain't a way to go wrong. If you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked, they're going to love it if you turn it on. If laughter and good times, tall tales and big lies fall under your category, get with Aaron and Joe's cause you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story.